Pilot TV podcast this week, we are waging war on heaven with the long-awaited third series of His Dark Materials on BBC One, discovering that Nick Cage always casts a very long shadow in National Treasure, Edge of History on Disney+, and exploring an infamous true crime murder in Litvinenko on ITV+. Plus. Plus, His Dark Materials star Amir Wilson talks to Helen O'Hara about the show's dimension-hopping final instalment. I'm James Dyer, and welcome to the Pilot TV Podcast, your weekly guide to every show that matters and the penultimate regular show of the year before we pack it all in until 2023. But exhausted and desperately in need of some Christmas specials as we are, I am joined once again by my two square-eyed companions, Boyd Hilton and Kay Ribeiro, one of which I can exclusively reveal is celebrating a very special day. It's the birthday, Boyd. How are you, Boydie? Is this how you dreamed you'd spend your birthday at, yeah. let me check the clock, yeah. 9.30 I'd, in the morning? Yeah. With your two favourite people? Yeah. Mm, I deliberately asked for us to record this podcast. <laughs> we could have done it you know, yesterday, together in the studio or whatever, yeah. but I thought, no, we've got to do it on my birthday morning. What better way to usher in my 42nd year than <laughs> uh, to do this podcast? <laughs> With our smiling faces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. No, it's, Did um, you get I'm, any good presents, Boyd? Uh, the only present I've got, literally the only present I've got so far, is from Kay, which is a uh, fa- the fantastic copy of um, Harlan Coburn's new book, signed, brilliantly signed by the great man himself. So, uh, nice. obviously, the flood of gifts will <laughs> commence as soon as I stop recording this podcast or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, yeah. Well, I look forward to seeing them all. This is very yeah, exciting. Thanks. Yeah, uh, I look forward. Do you think anyone will buy you any trainers? Um, I have got actually. Someone's already given me some new trainers, but yeah. So, so I tell like. Oh, I, so you you've already got some presents. Got so you're making us all feel in bad. Advance. Yeah, I got that present in advance. Yeah, so new trainers have been have been delivered. Do you hopefully. know what? A, a lorry, a supreme lorry, will be pulling mm. up at his uh, at his mansion <laughs> after the recording, Something delivering like all his goodies. Yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, of course, Kay's birthday's imminent as well. So. Um, we will have to prepare for that. We will have to get in gear. Yes. Know, get our acts together. I look forward to receiving your gifts, both of you. Maybe excited. we should try and record on your birthday, Kay, as well. <laughs> Absolutely not. If we're recording a podcast on the 23rd of December, I think we're all going to be, you know, feeling Happy, quite sad thrilled, about that. Joyous. You know, <laughs> all of our birthdays are within like two weeks of each other. That's quite weird. When's your birthday, Mine's on the 20th of December. You're on the 23rd of December. And Boyd's on the 9th of December, as is my friend Simon, but that's neither here nor there. Hi, Simon. Shout out to Simon. When's Beth's? I don't know. Is Beth also in December? I don't know. I think Beth feels to me more like a spring baby. I don't know why. Yeah, she's cool. Yeah, Beth was a while ago. I remember we we mentioned, I think we recorded on her birthday. We might have done. It was very close to her. Almost certainly. It is the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. This is, this is very exciting stuff. This is great banter. Let's move on. Uh, I have to do a quick correction. I have to do a quick correction. As uh, I may or may not have implied last week, while speaking to Tom Burke and Holiday Granger, that pernicious builders had demolished Cormoran Strike's office, where they work from. And they were horrified, obviously, to hear that this had happened. Turns out that was a lie, because I miss remembered what side of the street Strike's office was on. <laughs> and what I can in fact reveal exclusively is that all of the buildings opposite Strike's office have been demolished or at least being completely retrofitted and are currently building site. And their office remains, you know, beatifically untouched. It's it's there, it's completely fine. The guitar shop underneath is still doing a roaring trade in guitars. Uh, as a guitarist, obviously, I was very excited about that. Um, but uh, yeah, so so false alarm. Sorry, guys. The strike office is fine. You think the busloads of people who are kind of coming to visit Denmark Street 
are <laughs> were you know calling off, calling yeah. off, calling them yeah. back, and now That's they exactly can what I think return. Yeah, yeah. To there, that there's a massive, massive um, thing they've they've built, isn't it, on Denmark Street, like a huge, big kind of venue. A very like futuristic. Yeah. They had the Paramount yeah. Plus launch there. Yeah, yeah. And it is that, insane. I think that might yeah. be the thing that I thought had taken over. I think that is the thing. Exactly, <laughs> that is the thing you thought would taken over. Yeah, yeah. But, it's, but it, it is. That, it's really complicated. That whole thing. They've kind of somehow. It's like the TARDIS. They've somehow created a massive new space in a tiny, cramped Soho side street. It's insane. So yeah, it does look very cool though. But it's disorientating yeah. when you come out the station because you're mm. like, what? So yes, the strike is entirely unharmed. Uh, that, that wasn't the only office-related thing that happened this week. So I did an interview this week uh, with someone, who, an interview that we'll hear later uh, later next year uh, when the show actually airs. Uh, and for that interview, I went to ITV HQ. And it, I think it speaks volumes about this podcast that when I got up at the desk, I said, I'm going to ITV. Everyone just looked at me and went, really? Are you okay? <laughs> yeah. Like, is it a hit? I- like, Listen, I'm surprised they even let you in those doors <laughs> since you're a big bastard about ITV yeah. shows. Yeah, it's like, it's a trap. Uh, yeah, I did. There was a part of me I was expecting to go full Goodfellas. Like, I'd go into the room and there'd just be plastic on the floor and I'd just go, oh, <laughs> fucking, that's it, and take a bullet in the head. And that'd be it. Gunned down brutally. Why? Do, so who, you can't say who you're interviewing. Are you just going to tease I it? you can. You can say I probably can. can. I don't think who I'm interviewing was here, uh, was in my good. I was interviewing the glorious Sanjeev Bhaskar about the oh, new wow. series of Unforgotten. So it was, uh, it's very exciting. Uh, and we will, we will definitely get into that when the show drops next year because I definitely can't talk about the show. But obviously, it's brilliant because it's Unforgotten. Uh, but yes, the the new series without Nicola Walker, the first series without Nicola Walker, as. <laughs> Next year. Yeah. Excellent. So uh, so tell me what you've been watching, people. I have been watching Traitors, which I don't know if you've already chatted Ugh. about. <laughs> don't roll your eyes, James. It's the James noise of disapproval. <laughs> yes, um, which is the new reality show um, st- with Claudia Winkleman at the helm. And do you know what? It's So it's 22 people um, divided between into traitors and faithfuls. It's kind of hard to describe and make it sound good but basically they are all um trying to win this jackpot the fa- the traitors um have to invert commas murder the faithfuls anyway it's just werewolf isn't it i really like it What's it's werewolf? do you know what werewolf's that game that team building game where like you, you, you everyone's are all villagers but someone's the werewolf and you don't know who the werewolf is no, and they yeah. have to do stuff to sabotage everything like it's it's, Look, it's werewolf. If, if it makes james like it more then yeah, yeah it's sure werewolf. it's werewolf yeah. right yeah it's werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> but um i just really like it because i just think it's a uh, feels quite fresh, original. And also, I just think it's quite interesting, like a psychological study on how people lie and manipulate and stuff. Is anyone else watching it? Is it just me? You know I'm watching it. You know, Of course, Boyd is watching hey, it. Hey, come on. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. It's brilliant. It's, you've got underselling it, if anything. Um, yeah, I know. I can't, I can't do it just... Go on, you, you, what, how would you describe it? No, you described it perfectly well, but it's all in the, it's all in the, in the detail of the casting, first of all, because they've cast um, a bunch of egomaniacs, kind of weird, quirky <laughs> people, um, kind of shouty, angry people, some one or two, interestingly, not very kind of, you know, not very big characters, kind of who people just get suspicious about because they think they're deliberately, you know, trying to fool them. But it's all, it's a fascinating, it is, that, they used that phrase social experiment they used in the first, when Big Brother first arrived all those years ago, and then Big Brother turned into a basically like a you know, Channel 5 sub, yeah, but, you know, people just wanted to be on TV. It's it's just got it's just there's something fascinating about watching people taking this this game so seriously that they end up crying and you know emotionally devastated because people think they are 
the traitors and you know it's it's because it, it, it's just a game I mean, there's money at stake um but how involved they get and how com- how committed they are to their co- various causes etc is just incredible to watch where you know the conflict and the arguing and the hysteria <laughs> and then and claudia winkleman presiding over it brilliantly like she clearly absolutely loves this she's format. having a ball she's having yeah. a brilliant and you just got to see another side of her as a presenter because very different from her strictly Come dancing real. I love we love her anyway. But James, it's not just me and Kay. It's I've had honestly, we've had pilot TV listeners clamoring for us to mention it. Going, when are you going to mention traitors? Because I have the, heard this. Yes. I'm not oblivious to the tweets. Yeah. Unfortunately for you, there's a whole strand, there's a whole strata, a little kind of subgroup of pilot TV listeners who actually don't have a closed mind when it comes to this kind of I don't believe you. Yeah. That's not true. Yeah. So they're loving it. And it, is, it is really yeah. good, James. Give it a go. Just never. watch one episode. He's never going to watch it, Kate. All right. All right. Do it for I'll boy's birthday. I'll tell you this. <laughs> I watched a show this week that was unscripted. <gasps> what was it? A show, a completely unscripted show. Well, I assume it was unscripted. Uh, and it was very unlike me because it's not the kind of show I would sure, ever normally watch. I'm sure it wasn't just badly scripted. <laughs> yes, it seemed unscripted. <laughs> uh, no, I watched Planet Sex with Cara Delevingne. Oh, oh yes, I've seen God. that. Do you remember I mentioned James. that a couple weeks ago? Did you? Wow. Yeah. I don't remember yeah. that. I wasn't listening clearly when you were talking. Of course you weren't. <laughs> No, I wonder I watched... why did you suddenly stumble upon that? Do you know, no, it wasn't even because it was called Planet Sex with Cara Delevingne. <laughs> it was because there was a rave review of it on The Guardian, which turned up on my Twitter feed. And they made it sound quite interesting. And I was like, you know what? Fine. I was at a loose end one evening. I thought I'd fire it up. The first episode. I've only seen the first one. Uh, she's actually really good, you know, as a presenter. She actually she yeah. did a really good job with that show. I thought yeah. it was actually particularly well She's very well honest and open. And mm. she's going on her own sort of like, I hate to use the word journey, but, you know, she's exploring her own sexuality Indeed. and stuff. Did you like the? Is that the one where she goes to the masturbation class in New York? Yeah, that's mm. right. But again, mm. like, in terms of putting yourself out there, that's quite a thing to do. But again, it was it was dealing with stuff that doesn't get talked too much. The orgasm gap was the name of the episode, mm. uh, and I just thought I thought it was a really important episode that deals with things. Which again, like it, it, you know, I'm not going to start going onto my critique of school sex ed classes mainly because when I went to school they didn't have them. But so I'm pretty <laughs> sure they don't that cover the kind of, of stuff yeah. that is covered here. Some of which I would argue is quite important. So uh, yeah, oh I yeah, it's it very good, educational. Good yeah, yeah. yeah. Were you so, gonna, uh, can I just ask, were you going to admit that you watched this program in your own um, What Have You Been Watching section? Or have you just suddenly realised that you watched this show when Kay and I were talking about another unscripted show? No, I had planned to bring it up. Oh, I had okay, planned good. to bring it up because it was, an, like, it was an unusual it. break of viewing habits for me because I, yeah. I never watch unscripted stuff. I know, stuff, this so. is quite a revelation. It is. Wow. It's, a big, it's a big thing. It is a big thing. Anyone but, out there who wants to get their kind of, you know, unscripted show <laughs> mentioned on the show, if you just have some <laughs> masturbation classes in it, then that's the way. <laughs> that's, that's the key. That yeah. is the key. Yeah. So, you know, I'm just saying for season two of Traitors, if you want to get me to watch it, well, clearly that's the way to do I it. I mean, so. you know, who knows? It could happen, yeah, yeah. but unlikely. Yeah. I think that's, oh, that is a uh, that's a revelation. Right, yeah. yeah. So, um, yes. So, yes. Anyway, so I've been watching Traitors, which is fantastic. And, James, you really do need to give it a go. Um, also, White Lotus. I know you guys are watching that, right? So I'm not, but Boyd is, yes. You're not watching it? I know. It's, it's one of these shows that it sits in the same box with Succession as brilliant shows that I just can't watch. You'd, uh, okay, I can't get into succession right now. But so, anyway, um, the penultimate episode, just watched that a couple of days ago. And just, do you know what I love about this is the fact that it's dropping once a week. So it makes it more of an event. So every time when I come into work, everyone's discussing their theories, who they think's dead, who they think's done it. So while I'm excited to see the finale, I'm also actually 
kind of devoed that it's going to be over soon. So yes, I think um, that's been brilliant. And last thing, and it is a bit of reality, but I'm just going to mention it. I've been watching my unorthodox life, not to be confused for unorthodox, also on Netflix. And I've been watching series two of that, which charts uh, Julia Hart, the big boss of elite models who left the orthodox community in Muncie in New York to form a new life in Manhattan. So yeah, that's what I've been watching. I binged that. Fewer masturbation circles in that as well, though, I'm saying. <laughs> steady, steady. Um, someone else mentioned um, orthodox, unorthodox life to me actually last night. Yeah. And said it oh, was really? fantastic. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I have to check it I out. I think series two isn't as good as the first one, but it's still, I mean, it's very watchable. So Julia Hart is going through a very, very acrimonious divorce right now, guys. Yeah. Breaking Julia Hart, news. not Julia Hartley Brewer, not to be confused with. That, the, <laughs> Definitely uh, not to be confused yeah, for her. The yeah. nightmarish host of a show on talk TV. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but I digress. Yeah. yeah, Boyd, what have you been watching? Well, what have I been watching? I, I, I'm surprised you haven't mentioned the other unscripted phenomenon, TV phenomenon of this week, which uh, dropped yesterday, today, Friday, on my birthday. Oh, I know what this yeah. is. Megan, this was not unscripted. Megan <laughs> and Harry. Megan oh. and Harry. The Yeah, I mean, J James will need a primer in who these people are, of course. Yes, James, um, they were former members of the royal family. That's <laughs> how I understand. Yeah, um, right. Harry, brother of Will. William. Um, Ooh, Will to Boyd. <laughs> Will to me. Willie, big Willie. Oh, my God. Steady. Big Windsor. And we're back oh to masturbation God. classes again. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, it, but it's uh, it's obviously like people are hysterical about it. Megan, and, uh, this is me. I mean, everyone knows Megan and Harry. The six part first series, I believe, the plan is to have it as a continuing factual oh, series, Christ. following the lives of of uh, Harry and Megan. Insanely enough, so the first three episodes have arrived, and then the next three of this first season will arrive next week. Obviously, this is big news in the world. The rest of the world. Not in James's mind, but for everyone else. Or, or, or I would argue the purview <laughs> of this podcast, but we it's a cultural no, event, so I will give rubbish. you a bit of latitude. <laughs> it's a TV event. It's a massive TV event. Yeah, it event. is. It is a, TV it's a event. huge element of this podcast. If Terry was here, she'd be like, she'd have oh, been banging on yeah. about it for about She'd an hour dedicate the now. whole show to it, 100%. Yeah, she, yes. Exactly. I'm, I'm exactly. absolutely I, certain that's Whenever true. you challenge my, um, you know, what is it isn't in the purview, I always have to attend to Terry because... Yeah, deploy I'll, the Terry. Deploy, <laughs> deploy the Terry. <laughs> um, so I have watched the three episodes because I am a consumer of uh, of these kind of things, these huge big cultural events. What's fascinating about it is, is that it's basically them putting, telling the story of their romance, of their relationship from their point of view, and at the same, obviously, and it's a completely of completely unfair, you know, kind of um, very subjective account of what's happened with railing against the media, railing against the paparazzi about royal correspondence, about journalists covering their antics, their relationship. And so you've got like the polarised people, you've got, you've got them, this show, and people who are like huge fans of theirs. And I use the word fan advisedly because I do think people like fans of Harry and Meghan, like I'm a fan of Arsenal, basically. Um, and you have the kind of haters who like the Piers Morgan army, you know, and all them. And, and just like any vaguely right-wing kind of TV commentator has to adopt of this figure of being hating or complaining about Harry and Meghan. It's insane. We've got to this point, basically, where there's this massive polarisation. You either love them or you hate them. And I, 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 can, I don't give a shit, basically. I'm like, well, I don't hate them because they're 
nice, seem to be relatively decent, nice people. I think they are. I think, you know, you watch the thing and you think they are probably living in a, in a weird world of their own making where in this odd bubble where they think that they don't feel they have to really allude to their insane level of privilege and wealth and all of that and ent- entitlement and kind of pick, the, pick themselves as just a normal couple, you know, just a normal couple of people who happen to, have, you know. <laughs> oh, I, no, I think, you know, I think I don't think that really works. But at the same time, they're perfectly likable, you know. And so I, I'm just watching it fascinated by the fact that we've got to, how have we got to this point with these two people, two of the most famous people in the world, where they inspire such hatred and, and, and love and Somewhere in between, I've, and oh, that wants to be that banal, you know. Oh, I'm, you know, let's let's look at the middle ground and the grey. But in this particular case, it's just crazy. And I think that you really get the the sense that Harry absolutely massively resent has a huge amount of resentment for about a lot of things about the way his mother was treated. Of course, fair enough. The way you know Diana died, etc. The paparazzi, as I say, the media and the media has been hysterically unfair to Meghan. Like if you compare the treatment of her to William to Kate and all of that, but I think there's an undercurrent of um, resentment from him to William James. I'm explaining all this so like it's a soap opera. This that is, is the kind of thing that he can't really talk about, even in this show. Really, he can't really talk about the reality of why he's so resentful of the way that William mm. is regarded compared to him, and that for me is like the unwritten sub subcurrent of this whole thing but you know it's it's fascinating it's, it's kind of kitsch and over the top it's like the title sequence and the and the music is all like the crown you know it really is like <laughs> it's, it's like reliving reenacting that whole series but it's just as a pop culture event it's fascinating it's completely you know biased from their point of view but i don't resent their their opportunity to to, to save things to to look at the whole story of their world from their point of view it's fine the fact that he's got a book out as well in january seems a bit like overkill and i feel like it's weird that their way of combating the whole world being obsessed with them is to bring out more and more cultural artifacts that are about them you know it's like doesn't cultural make, artifacts. none of it makes any sense basically from either end of it for me like what they say doesn't really make any sense doesn't really bear much scrutiny what the people who hate them say doesn't bear much scrutiny it's probably a bit racist as well in terms of her so yeah that is my summary of the uh, crazy world of Meghan and Harry. But you must have watched it, Kazor, surely? No. Do you oh, know what I haven't okay. yet? And I, I'm kind of like, oh, God. I want to watch it because obviously, as you say, it's this big cultural moment. But I'm also just, I don't, it makes me feel anxious just because I just know the vitriol that's going to come. You know, like as soon as you go on Twitter, I'm kind of like bored. I just want it to all stop. You know, like I will, I will end up watching it, but I don't know. I just feel anxious because as I watch it, I'll be thinking, oh, great. That's going to become a thing. That's going to, you know, that's the thing. Like I kind of want them to like not have this show so that then it doesn't give more fuel for people like Piers Morgan to come up with his bile. But yeah. Mm, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. So, and the other thing, I, I, this is going to annoy the, the guy who um, tweets me every now and then complaining about, um, quite rightly, <laughs> that we in this section, we sometimes talk about things that aren't out yet. But that's just, you know, life, I'm afraid, because, you know, I've got a lot of things to go to. I, I went to the uh, Happy Valley launch this week. Because we have a date for this now, don't we? We do. New Year's Day. Yeah, New Year's Day, BBC One, nine o'clock. Um, so it won't be included in the best things of this year, by the way. We'll have to remember it next year. But all I'm going to say is, and this is, you know, gratuitously essentially reviewing it before we get to review it in full on this podcast in a week's time or two weeks' time, whatever. But, you know, the seven-year gap, the seven-year gap between Series 2 and Series 3 is literally like long-awaited is, is the definition of long-awaited for this show. Um, and the whole reason why – I interviewed one of the, someone who'd been in the show ages ago, and I remember um, her saying – you, you know why it's taking so long for Sully Wainwright to get around to making the third season? I was like, no, why? Because she's waiting for the young guy, the character 
who is the son of Tommy Lee Royce, the psychopathic rapist, to grow up, to hit, reach 16, so they can the storyline can look at what he wants to do. He's free to do what he wants. He can make his own decisions. And she wanted that to, this new series to revolve around that to some extent. And that's absolutely what's happened. They literally, She literally waited seven years. And now that actor, the same actor that played the, the, the character when he was nine years old, he's now 16. And and they said they did, oh, they did a Q&A on stage and they pointed out, the producers, that the real danger was he couldn't act, you know, when he reached 16, because he's, he's going to have to do a lot of emotional, difficult, complex stuff and dealing with the fact that his father, you know, he is the product of his father raping um, his mother. And he's brilliant. He's really good. So first of all, he's excellent. This 16-year-old who has to do, who, who a lot of the, the new series focuses on him. And I've just, never heard, I've never heard of that case before of them I waiting know. for an actor to, yeah, it's crazy. get older. It's absolutely crazy, mm. but um, it really works. Hats off but to her. Yeah. All I would say is, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to spoil anything, but the very first scene, the very first scene is Sarah Lancashire as um, Kay Wood. Um, she's about to retire you know, that character, this legendary character, and you're reminded instantly in the first minute of this show why that character is so brilliant, um, why Sarah Lancashire is just phenomenal in the role. And basically it's like they find remains, you know, in a quarry somewhere near Halifax where it's set in the Happy, in the happy Valley itself. But just what she, the, her dialogue in that opening scene, how she deals with, like, these guys who are looking at this body, her, her colleagues, is hilarious and dramatic and amazingly fascinating and you're just you just know that you're back with this show that is an absolute masterpiece of television <laughs> so yeah we I, I just you're in for a treat when nope, we'll get to watch that's it that's everything and i'll be watching in, uh next week or the week after yeah so that's what i have been watching thank you very much very good uh, I, the only other things I've been watching is I watched the finale of The Peripheral, uh, which I was a little underwhelmed by. I don't know why, but in my mind, because it's adapted from a novel, I kind of thought it would be kind of a limited series, or at least would have an element of closure to it. It very much does not. Uh, so I was left a little bit like, oh, is that it? Are we done? But I did enjoy it, and I'll definitely come back for season two if we come back. Inspector Lobier, of course, being the high point of uh, of that show, enjoyed that great deal. You said but, we had to uh, watch yes, it all then, the Boyd, didn't And you? I have gone back to the English, which I had oh. been meaning to get back to for ages, been on my watch list, but I'm very, very much enjoying that. Rafe Spall has just turned yes. up. Yep. He's nipping at the heels of Clay's bang for Bell End of the Year. Yes. It's, uh, yes. yeah. Uh, it, it's very good, isn't it? <laughs> it's very, very, it's very so good. Brilliant, yeah. So yes. let's just say let's reenact the discussion about how it should be in the top twenty of the year. Yeah, yeah. Ah, oh, yes, Remember? the top twenty of the year, which <laughs> did go up on the website uh, this week. I will say we will go through that properly in our review of the year podcast, which, according to my calendar, may or may not, but should go out on Boxing Day uh, in place of the regular podcast. So we will have one more podcast next week. We will then have Boxing Day, which will be the Review of the Year podcast. Then the next week, there will be nothing because we'll be off. And then we will return in the new year. So uh, where we'll find out all the various shows that aired that we managed to miss in the interim. But uh, we will go through the best shows of the year list in the Review of the Year. There were some heated. There were heated debates, weren't there? I mean, heated is perhaps an exaggeration. Well, said, well no. I, well, James, I would I would say that you know we, I personally was making some suggestions of shows that were on the list but needed to go further up. Yes, yes, it's and true. you were unmovable. You were just like refused to listen. This, none of this is true. The I resent the, the implication that I run the best shows of the year list like some kind of autocratic regime. Mm. You will find that we discussed it. I sent emails around. I then took in feedback and then I changed it again. Took and then Beth feedback. gave up because she got so bored of the conversation that she was like, yeah, I don't care what you want. 
And then me and Boyd sat around that desk for at least an hour and a half hammering out the exact order. And I know exactly what's going to happen. We're going to do the review. And you've already started doing it on Twitter. You do the review at the end. Boyd's like, well, of course, I didn't agree with this from the beginning. I'm like, you never said that when we discussed it. No, I was there there listening to the conversation. And Boyd Boyd did. I like our number one point on Twitter yesterday. But well, it wouldn't have been my pick. It's like, that was not what you said when we did the list. No point did you query the number one. You did not not try and change it. I acknowledge to some extent what you're saying, but unfortunately for you, the problem is when we do sit around for an hour and a half to see, you forget exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, but I don't. I was there listening and taking notes. There you go. Yeah, he is the impartial I, observer. I did point out that Andor was not my number one. But I'm, You've I'm just a, given it away. No, it's fine. It's, it's on the website, website you fell in. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a secret. I mean, well, don't, pub, don't put it out there. Oh, wait. Empire it's a fair point. That, okay, yeah. It's um, a fair so point. It is out there. It is out there. Well, so that listeners can analyse it and discuss it in full and send their feedback and point well, out yes. how... Like like Terry White did, <laughs> we're pointing out the things that we've got wrong in capital letters. Yes, um, she did. I yeah. noticed that. Yeah. And we can have a full yeah. discussion about it later. That's all I'm saying. Yes. I'm all we will... <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get onto it. We'll get into the justifications for all of it when we do the review of the year. <laughs> we'll if have you a would like to later. comment on it, if you want to have questions, because we will have a listener question segment on the review of the year podcast, which will be separate from the regular postbag segment. But if you do want, you're specifically on the review of the year podcast, then please do hashtag R-O-T-Y, review of the year, before your direct message, and please send it to at Pilot TV Pod. No one's going to on remember to do that. No, I mean, I mean he's sure. going to... Of course yeah. they will. Our listeners are... Of course they will. They, they, no, I'm not saying that... Yeah, but I mean, it's like, just fiddly. But anyway, sorry, that's an admin thing. <laughs> sorry, I've made it too complicated. <laughs> yes. I've, yeah. I've gated entry. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable. Right, I just okay. Did want to say, sorry, because I forgot to mention, Kate mentioned the White Lotus, that... Um, the finale, yeah, will go out on the day this goes out, and I'm I'm incredibly excited about it. And hopefully, I'm going to be talking to Will Sharp um, for a future sh- to talk about the series. Now, once we've all seen it, once Indeed. we've seen the finale, because as it is at the moment, there's so many there's so many things to tie up. There's so many, you know, anything could have happened with who died, who who committed the the killing, whatever. If someone do you has have died. theories? I mean, I've, we went I mean, to like, I've got theories coming out of my ears, but there's yeah, so many, I know. It, but it's not. Well, all I would say is this: it's not going to be good. I mean, for anyone, you know, like a, a part of the reason why James can't cope with all the, a show like this, as he's already said, it's not only is it full of bellends, which it is, but even the the, the least bellendy type people, I feel, are going to end up having a really difficult time, particularly yeah. Tanya. I mean, I think yeah, that's that's Tanya my McCoy, theory. Yeah, nothing good is going to come of what she's been up to with the mm-hmm. gay guy and the. And oh yeah, it's going to be a nightmare. It's going to be horrific, I think. But yeah, anyway, cannot wait. We'll see. We'll see. No one's seen it at all. They gave us the penultimate episode to, to watch in advance, HBO, but they've not given the final episode to anyone to see. I so like that they've done that though. Oh, it's it's going to be a total yeah. surprise it's for so everyone. So exciting, yeah. But people are saying, oh no, I, I was going to start the whole best of the year thing up again. By the way, people <laughs> said, how can you judge it without seeing the finale? But for me, it's like, well. You know, six amazing episodes of TV. You know, they'd have to really fuck up the finale for us to not put it in our top of the year because yeah. it's so good already. Anyway, yeah, yeah. But also, you have to draw a line at some point because we literally have yes. to get the list up. Like we exactly. have this on Empire with the films. Like we have to do it in November before all of the films are released. So then you have to kind of revise it at the end of the year to see if things need shuffling. Yeah, thankfully uh, Avatar, um, the, the way of is only like three weeks. No, so no, no, we're not doing so this again. We're not going to get into this because I we don't have that kind of time. I had to a chat between Nick, James and Boyd yesterday talking about Avatar for about 20 minutes. 
And oh. uh, yeah, I'm not going through I, that again. Know, I, it, the thing that I love about Boyd, I love it, it's like Boyd's tolerance for absolute bollocks, like raw <laughs> TV shit, is almost infinite. You'd be like, yeah, it's really good, it's great. Like, and then you'll see like the cinematic event of the year and go, yeah, three stars. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to repeat, we're not doing this again. We are not. <laughs> I mean, I, I like James no. getting on. I mean, yeah, you don't have to spend 250 million dollars. That on is those, true. Those things. That is true. For three hours. Oh, 10 you. minutes. As hey. I say, we'll leave it there, Kay. Kay is there any Kay, news? Is there Kay any TV news, guys? Kay doesn't like it when her two dads get too bored. No, yeah, I don't like when da- yeah, the two dads mm. are fighting, man. It's it's actually, do you know what? I love it. I love it when boy doesn't like something because it makes me realise I'm alive. Do you know what I mean? Like, I really no, I, I enjoy it. <laughs> no, no, but like, it's, like, it's like, yes, like when boy turns on something. These are my favourite my favorite parts of the podcast. Uh, I, uh, I look okay. forward to it. If you can find something to hate in the review section, stay boy. I'd really appreciate that. It'd be fun. Okay, I'll try. Uh, see what you can do. There, yeah. there may be a contender, in fact. So let's see how that yeah, goes. Right, yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert, yeah. Okay, fine. Uh, we do have some news to talk about. Before we get into news, though, let's uh, have this week's guest. And it is none other than his Dark Materials, Will Parry, wielder of the Subtle Knife, a.k.a. Amir Wilson. Uh, he had a chat with Empire's very own demonologist, Helen O'Hara. So, Amir Wilson, hello. Welcome to Pilot and uh, and welcome back to His Dark Materials. Uh, how are you thank doing? Thank you very much. I'm good, thank you. Um, how are you doing? Thank you very much for having me today. Yeah, good. Um, so, it, I mean, it's been two years since the last season. You know, how did it feel to kind of step back into Will's shoes and, and get back into the the sort of the world of Philip Pullman? Oh, it was it, it was great. It was it was really, really nice. It obviously been, I think it had been like a year and a half in between the two seasons of filming, or maybe right. even longer. Um, obviously, we had COVID and stuff. But I, uh, I felt yeah really ready I, I remember starting season two and I was kind of nervous about going into it I remember when I got the role about a week later the season one teaser trailer dropped and I was like wow, wow. This, is, this, this is a big thing to be a part of and I was kind of I was really really nervous and this time around going into season three I felt a lot more confident and a lot uh, I, I knew more about Will I, 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 I knew Will on a better level I, I had a sense of kind of what Will wanted and, and what type of person he was this season and so that that was just great for me to kind of go in, into that season with that confidence. So where do you remember where you started the season? You know, did, did you shoot kind of chronologically or I'm, I'm guessing because no big spoilers, but, you know, you we, we we rejoin you basically in this kind of very striking looking wilderness. Um, yeah, yeah, so was yeah. that the first time you shot? Yeah. So funnily enough, the, the first time you see Will in season three is the first thing I shot. Oh, wow. Um, and they tried to do everything in chronological order uh, to a certain extent. So it'll be like episodes one and two, and then three and four, and then five and six, and then seven and eight. But they'll kind of shoot them a bit all over the place. But I was lucky enough to have my first scene be the first thing I shot, which is kind of lucky. And then after that, it obviously got mixed and matched, just depending on locations, availability and stuff. Um, it's obviously different when you're shooting on location. You can't just kind of turn up whenever. You have to put these places out and um, kind of make sure that you can film at certain times and stuff. Mm. So um, obviously you end up kind of shooting different episodes at different times but no for the most part chronological order you've got some quite weird, wild stuff happening this season um i don't want to get too much into spoilers for people who haven't read the books maybe can you give us a, a sort of a a recap of where will is as we find him again at the beginning of the season because he's just been through some incredibly traumatic events yeah yeah definitely i mean look when we leave will at the end of season two he's kind of at the, the lowest of lows he's seen his father after thinking he's dead his whole life and then his dad dies in front of him um, within five minutes. Uh, he, he has this dying wish of him, of Will, to deliver the knife, 
the subtle life to Lord Asriel. Um, and that's kind of one of the last things his dad ever tells him. And then he goes to tell Lyra and Lyra's gone as well. So two very important people in his life kind of gone within the space of a few hours. And ultimately, Will's left with the decision of either going to find Lyra carrying on fulfilling his father's destiny, his wishes, or he just goes and fulfills his father's wishes and he chooses to find Lyra first. And so when we pick him up in season three, it's been some months. I remember reading the script. I remember reading episode one of season three and it was, it, Will has obviously aged some months kind of written, but he's, he's been looking for Lyra for uh, a few months, kind of going through all these magisterium checkpoints and stuff, uh, kind of kind of stay low key and hidden. He obviously doesn't have a demon. He has to kind of stay hidden a lot of the time and you yeah, know we pick him up on his journey to find Lyra basically and, and I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say it but at some point I won't say when but at some point he and Lyra meet again yeah so, yeah yeah they do you they know do. you get to you get to work with Daphne again and and it seemed like you guys had a very productive relationship and and just like an off-screen as well as on-screen friendship before. yeah no definitely yeah, which is which is such a such a help when you're um filming a show like this no i think i think definitely is amazing she is uh really really talented and um we have so much respect for each other on and off screen um and i think um we've been so lucky to be able to to, to share this experience with her i mean it, um obviously for the first two episodes i um for the first time in this show i kind of had scenes with characters who weren't lyra i obviously mm-hmm. met baruch and balthamos and then i met yorick yorick the bear um simon and cobno who played baruch and balthamos are absolutely amazing love two lovely guys i had a great time on set with them and joe as well who voices yorick is an incredibly good actor i mean his ability to just switch into the to the voice is kind of beyond me um i remember he told me his audition story and he actually he sent over like a, a voice recording of him mm-hmm. doing it, doing his voice. And they didn't believe that it was his, they, they thought he had edited it. <laughs> so they then had him, they then had him do a, a call, a Zoom call. And then they, they, they kind of like verified that it was him doing the voice. Is it true that you and he went rock climbing together? Is that, is that true? Yes. Very, very true. Yeah. I'm into rock climbing. He's into, he's from Norway and there's a, plenty of rock climbing to do out there but um we went to the local climbing gym in cardiff rock mm-hmm. block it's called proper it was a, a new newly built rock climbing gym that kind of only come around just before covid it was up and running again when we were when we were there and i spent most of my time there to be honest i think i'd go three or four times a week after set just to kind of clear my head it's very easy to kind of get stuck in the mindset of oh maybe i could have done this better or that better at the end of the mm-hmm. day and you end up just dwelling on it i found as much as the fact that it's a, I, I enjoy it anyway and it's a great way to keep fit, I did find um, rock climbing kind of just a good way to refresh my mind at the end of the day. Yeah, just sort of therapeutic. I mean, yeah. w- were you ever tempted to try and get that into the show? You know, like, I think Will could climb up this cliff, you know? Um, many, many, many times. Well, I, I was There's many <laughs> many moments where I'd be climbing on sets and I'd get told off by the props guys because most of the sets are made out of polystyrene and not real would um definitely would tell you that i spent a lot of my time climbing we, we filmed in truffle quarry in spain as well when we shot in spain for the last episode i spent a lot of time trying to climb random things and, and we went to a beautiful place called el gato in the south mm-hmm. of um in the south of spain in andalusia and it was oh, so so beautiful it's a huge huge cave cliff type of place i spent a lot of time trying to trying to climb that as well but no i i trying to incorporate climbing into every part of my life at this point. I mean, I think I think when uh, season two came around, I think, you know, I don't know if, about you, but other members of the cast certainly were hoping to go somewhere exotic and maybe a bit sunny for Chita Gatze, um, yeah, because we it's were. described as this beautiful Mediterranean town. And you ended up in Wales in a studio. We ended up, we ended up in the back lot in Cardiff. Yeah, I mean, there was always talk. <laughs> 
there was always that talk of um I think they I wasn't on season one, but I think they had it on season one where it was like, oh maybe we might go to Iceland to film the polar bear stuff, or maybe in season two it was oh maybe we might try go to somewhere in Italy or uh, somewhere in South America to film Chittagatsi, and it never ended up happening. I'm glad in season three we managed to actually get out and 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 film somewhere else. But no, the backlot was I still I still still think the backlot was amazing, just mm-hmm. despite. Just that it obviously just wasn't too sunny, which is obviously a bit a bit of a downer. The actual set itself was like so incredible. I spoke about it the other day, but it's like it really had like a two-story shop. It had a baker's, it had a barber shop. Wow. You could really, really get lost in it. Um, mm. And you could just run around and kind of free roam in it, which is good. Daphne and I carved, carved our names. Well, it's obviously gone now, but at the time we carved our names into different parts of the set. And I do wonder if they ever showed up, I'm sure. <laughs> I feel like people are going to be going back through it with uh, yeah, yeah, with, yeah. The, with the pause button ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Playing it on play, <laughs> slowing down the playback speed, trying to find out. The thing is, I mean, fair play to Wales because it has looked like you know Iceland, and it has looked like Norway, and it has looked like again. Don't think this is a spoiler, but there's a scene in the books that takes place in the Himalayas, which they've kind of moved to what I guess is the coast of Wales again. Yeah, definitely. Um, and obviously, we were on location a lot more this this on the, on the third final season it was because i mean obviously there's just many more worlds and stuff and i think there's only so much you can do inside a studio and create um but even the sets that we had at the studio we had the magisterium set we had the land of the dead set we had some of like um like the paradise or the malefera and stuff as well that set was built at the studio as well as filming in spain as well but joel collins and everyone who was involved in designing these sets kind of did a an amazing show, especially with the Land of the Dead set. It was proper. It was like there's a studio the size of a, a football pitch, a stage in the studio the size of a football pitch, just kind of a wall, like a 10 foot high walls, even 20 foot high walls, kind of all wow. intricate detail. It was really, really incredible. Mm. Really, really incredible. It's a very eerie looking place. I mean, that it won't surprise anyone, but it really is not quite like, you know, other Lands of the Dead that people might have seen before. The other thing that fascinated me, I was reading old interviews with you, and, and one of the things that, that really got me was the fact that you had a sort of physical object to aim at every time you use the subtle knife. So this knife that you have that cuts between worlds, they actually gave you essentially something to kind of cut between. Yeah, yeah. They, they, um, I worked with um, uh, the guys in visual effects um, to kind of form some sort of uh, mechanism for me to be able to to cut. I mean, it, it, obviously, I know it's just me slicing down, but obviously, I didn't when I, when when filming it, I wanted to make sure that the kind of going in a direct line, and I, I knew what point I was going to and what point I had to stop at. Um, so they kind of came up with this idea. Brian, who actually um, puppets the golden monkey, he came up with the idea as well. But it, essentially, it was to have like a, a string wire, like a guitar, like a guitar string, but almost see through, even thinner. Mm-hmm. And they'd put it on a on a on a wire and stretch it out, and then put it on a stand and stretch it out. And then I would they put tape on where I would cut to, and kind of that was just basically a guiding point for me to, to, to cut knives. And same with closing the window, I would just put my, my fingers on that wire and then slide down. Um, yeah. And it was it was very, very, very helpful. Uh, at some point, so you would have to take the wire out because they'd need a reference without the wire in so that they can mm-hmm. kind of visually impose it later. But um, yeah, that was, that was they did have... Um, I also did work with a, um, a movement coach on, at the beginning of the third season to, okay. to establish a new type of... Um, a way of cutting the knife and we had established a thing you know we're basically feeling it in my in my whole body i mean from was you know from my feet all the way up to my hands and kind of mm-hmm. establishing some type of movement or move i'll always do when i cut the knife 
Will is a guy who, you know, he has to have control in order to make it work or he has to focus to make it work. So I guess to, for you to have something to physically focus on must must kind of help with that. But yeah, it really, it really, really, really did help. Yeah. I mean, how did you feel about sort of going back to Will after all this time? Because you've done, you know, things in between the letter for the king and I think uh, the magic flute maybe shot in between. I don't know quite the order yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah. But what did, what did it feel like? Is it, you know, do you like him as a character? Is he someone that you were kind of excited to go back to? Yeah, I do. I, I I like his journey, and I like um. I always say Will's very moral, and he's kind of mm-hmm. like the perfect good guy. It's like he's not really you're not going to catch Will making a, a bad decision, or um, you know, he's always one of those guys that puts puts people before him. You know, yeah. and I've always admired that about him. Um, and I've always like I think that's such a a good personality trait to have. I mean, it's when people ask me, do I think I'm like Will, and it's like I'd like to say I'm moral and stuff. I mean, ultimately, Will is Will's kind of like the perfect person in a certain sense. And obviously, we are different where we are. But I connect to Will on a deeper level. Like me and Will's lives are, are similar, and and, and so my, my 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 father passed away almost five years ago, and and oh, so I was able I was able to have that kind of connection to Will when 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 doing those scenes and kind of having those moments where I talk about my dad in the show um mm. so it was it was kind of, it was kind of nice for me and, and and doing that I guess almost helped me understand my grief and kind of what I was going through and helped me come to terms with it because I I feel the best way to maybe deal with the grief in those situations well for me it works for everyone differently as we know mm. but it, for me personally it was a I found talking about it really good but in those scenes um I am able to talk about my father it was kind of I was thinking about my dad the whole time and it was kind of, it was, it was really, really nice for me in a sense. So I, I've really enjoyed playing well and I do feel like he's kind of um, playing well has, has, has helped me. That's, uh, that's so lovely. Um, and, and he's such a, he's such a steady guy as well, because I feel like Lyra has her own sense of morality, but she's also apt to go off on mad quests. Yeah, it, yeah, feels, yeah, yeah. it feels like Will is the one who is much more grounded and much more cautious. Calculated. About yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, we, we always definitely I always talk about that. They, uh, Will and Lyra are polar opposite. Will's kind of calculated and very kind of low-key. I mean, you can even see it when he lives in his own world. It's like he kind of keeps to himself. He doesn't want anyone to know about him and his mum mm-hmm. because of fear of his mum getting it taken away from him. So everything he's done his whole life has kind of been thought out and, and, and planned, but Lyra is kind of really spontaneous. She's um, grown up in Jordan College and kind of had that freedom to kind of do whatever she wants in a certain yeah. in a certain sense. And they bring out those other sides in each other, and I think that's what's so so good about their dynamic. It's that they obviously you've had the, the same opposite to track, but they they do it. They they mm-hmm. um there's in those in those situations where things get heated. It's kind of nice to see Will maybe act a bit more spontaneously and Lyra to be a bit more calculated and controlled and to, and to have that variation is good. And I think that's one of the big appeals presumably of the book because, you know, yes, you have cosmic scale and you are literally this season hanging out with angels and sort of alien races and, you know, obviously demons and so on. And yet at the same time, it feels like it's very much a story about, you know, Philip Pullman's story as well as the TV story is about relationships and friendships and family relationships and all of those kind of very down to earth details. It's not kind of airy fairy fantasy, it seems. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a, it's a fantasy show that really incorporates kind of true meaning and true emotions and connections, which is, um, I think, another great thing about the the books and the stories. I was horrified once in one interview you, you did because you said, uh, you know, these are really old books. They were written before I was born. And that made me feel about a million years old and about to crumble into dust. <laughs> but, <laughs> but they have now been around. I mean, you're right. They've been around <coughs> for over 20 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was saying, of course, um, when season two came out, it was during COVID. Um, mm-hmm. 
So everything I did was kind of um, through Zoom and, and, and just on, on virtual stuff. I did a day of Comic Con just on Zoom. Um, and so it was, it was with me. But the, this time around, in the last few months, I've been lucky enough to go to some, some events and some junkets and tough stuff and be able to interact with people who love the show. And I was, I don't know why I was surprised, but I was, I was a little bit surprised by how many young people really love the, and watch these shows. Obviously, as I said, I'm, I'm not trying to make you feel old again, but they are. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I've kind of got like done myself a hole here, but no, um, <laughs> it, it's no. It, I obviously the books came out a while ago, and when I I don't get recognised often, but when I do, it's often by older people when I'm out in the street, maybe on the bus sometimes. And I didn't realise until me I'd been to some of these junkies that there really is a lot of young people who love these shows as well, which is kind of great because it's like there's obviously people who've read the books. Um, the only people who read the books, or anyone who's read the books, have uh, kind of appreciate the deeper meaning behind what's going on in the story and really understand all the little details. Uh, but I feel like you could watch the show and not know anything about the whole sin and yeah. kind of and all the deeper meaning and the, and the stuff with the church and stuff that the that that the, the uh, uh, older people would understand. But younger people can still appreciate kind of just the the fun of having two young kids on screen talking animals. Um, and, and everything else that goes on in it. Yeah, it feels like, all, I mean, all the great fantasies in that way, you know, the Lord of the Rings and and Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe and the Narnia books, uh, chief among them, like you can take or leave the, the sort of the, the meaning underneath and either enjoy that or just enjoy the adventure because there's a lot of adventure here as well. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And there's a, there's a lot to take away for everyone in this, mm. which is, again, why it's so great. So um, tell me, what else have you got coming up at the moment? Because I know there's the Magic Flute, I think, is is still to come here as well. Yeah, Magic Flute, it just re- released in Germany. I went to the premiere not too long ago and um, saw it in German, um, which is which is funny. Seeing myself in German was pretty hilarious. Um, so it's <laughs> out in German cinemas right now and I think it's going to have a release in America soon. Don't know about the UK yet. I still, I think that's still to be confirmed. Um, and other than that, I've been actually kind of had um, a quiet few months. I've kind of, a lot of my friends just finished their A-levels. So now it's a, I've, I obviously worked a lot growing up I, I spent a lot of my teens and I think from ages like 13 to 16 or even 12 to 16 17 I was working non-stop and I missed out on quite a bit so the last couple of months since I finished this dumb series which is about a year ago today I, I did a short film did a short film I was helping out a friend which will be coming out soon but I've, I've taken this time just to kind of kind of do my own thing really and kind of figure out what I'm doing and what I like really I've, I've been taking more time to do photography which I found an interest in um I, I always had an interest. I, I when I'm allowed to, when the show comes out, I'm actually allowed to post the photos. But I've loads of photos from the set. Uh, I've been climbing a lot more than I was. And but I, I'll be doing a BFI film, which was meant to shoot in January, but it got pushed back for various reasons. But I'll be shooting that in April. But it'll be the first thing I've done that's not a, a fantasy, which will hey. be kind of which will be kind of nice for me. I did the Left of the King and I did the Secret Garden, and of course, his Dark Materials, and they're all fantasy based. Um, yeah. to a certain extent and um, this is what I'm doing it's going to be like a, a gritty London drama and it will be the first time I've done that but I think it's uh, I'm really excited to, to to do that and kind of step away from the fantasy thing Are there other genres you'd like to explore? There is I love crime I love mm. crime I, I, I love like all the David Fincher type of films uh, I love those those crime mystery films um, so I definitely love to do some sort of crime play detective or play a criminal type of thing um i always i always love those shows sounds awesome well listen and um, best of luck with it all and uh and thanks very much for talking to us cheers well, thank you thank you thank you for taking the time guys take care okay right news let's get into news so happy valley we have talked about uh something else that probably bears mentioning is the midnight club 
which mm. will not be returning to the clubhouse for season two, for it has been cancelled. Mike Flanagan announced that he was no longer going to be working with Netflix. He was going to instead be working with Prime Video. And shortly afterwards, and I'm sure these things are in no way connected, Netflix went, fuck you, and cancelled the Midnight <laughs> Club. So, uh, so that's nice. Does and then he care? announced in massive Mike Flanagan. Then he announced he's working on an oh adaptation God, yes. of, of the Dark Tower. He did. He um, did. Stephen which, King, which is, is massive. Yeah, yes. that's huge. Yeah, that yeah. is huge. Yeah, he's planning a five-season show. I mean, quite rightly, because the Dark Tower is like a massive. Epic. Oh, it's it's epic, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it's a huge sprawling thing. But I think it's fascinating. Yeah, that he has that he has quit Netflix and um and is is rocking up at Prime Video. Good for him. Yeah. And but the Dark Tower because obviously the film we had which wasn't very good and there no, was going to be terrible. a TV show that wasn't happening. Terrible. Yeah, it's not good. Uh, you know, and I I've really liked so I've never read the Dark Tower, but it is widely held as Stephen King's magnum opus. Um, yeah. So I I'm I'm very excited to see what the wonderful Mike Flanagan makes of of the show. Yeah. So good stuff. What else happened this week? I am excited by the news that Daisy Jones and the Six is has got release date. Prime Video have said that it will be premiering on 3rd of March. And now for anyone who doesn't know, it's the adaptation of Taylor Jenkins Reid's novel that basically charts the rise and fall of a fictional band. And the reason why I'm excited, because it's a really good book. And this is the one that Reese Witherspoon snapped up the rights to and is exec producing and is going to star Sam Claflin in and Riley. I can never say her surname. K-E-O. Keo. Is that how you say it? Keo. Um, Yeah, she'll play Daisy Jones and it's just going to be brilliant. Anything that Reese Witherspoon's, what she picks up, it's always massive, right? So it's going to be another big little lies type production and I'm excited for that. So 3rd of March. I've also seen, oh, actually last thing, I also saw the trailer for Russell T. Davis' new three-part drama, Nolly, which is about the soap actress Nolly Gordon, who was in Crossroads and was fired at the height of her success and um, apparently is coming out in February. On ITVX. Yeah. Helena Bottom Carter as Noel Gordon. So Nolly was a nickname, just to say. Mm-hmm. That wanted yes. to sound correct to you in any, you know, in any way. <laughs> no, I, um, I was friends with her. Yeah, I know, yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah. You, you, and, you and Nolly, you and Noel Gordon go back years. But um, <laughs> I went on set. I was lucky enough to go on set of this show. So um, I can confirm that it's going to be brilliant. Um, and yeah, it's very exciting. It's going to be on ITVX in, uh, in early February. And and the trailer looks suitably brilliant. Um, so yes, very exciting. I agree. I concur with everything you said, Kay. I'm pleased. <laughs> we also have a date for The Mandalorian Season 3, which is the 1st of March. Oh, so that's nice. Exciting. This is the way, and the way is the 1st of March. Excited to see that. Obviously, got large and or shaped shoes to fill now in the Star Wars universe, but we'll wait and see. Uh, what else happened? Michael Gandolfini, son of the late, great James Gandolfini, is going to be in Daredevil Born Again. Which is, uh, I know, I'm quite interested to see the show. Obviously, Charlie Cox, I thought was great as Daredevil. I know those those early Netflix Marvel things were far, far, far too long, uh, far and too seasons long. far too long. And season two of Daredevil wasn't great, but one and three were both very good. Uh, and I'm keen to see Charlie Cox back in the cowl, quite frankly. So uh, yeah, I'm 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 here for this. Shadow and Bone. That was one of your YA. Like, it was. Um, I enjoyed it. James' favourites. I've completely yes. forgotten about it. Except there was like a lock like a ship, like a big yeah. ship involved, and, going through uh, the sand or something, and then bonds, bin bonds. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah, that's back for season two. I mean, you know, completely forgot that there was going to be another season, but no, going to be psyched. on March the sixteenth mm. on the Netflix. March is a busy month, and also twenty fourth of March, Yellow Jackets returns. Mm. Oh, amazing! March that is a good month. Yeah. 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 That is very exciting, I have to say. Uh, did you watch the trailer for the 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 boys spin off Gen V? I no. didn't actually. 
Is it good? It's just lots of blood. It's a lot oh, of well, blood and gore. I think they're making a statement with it. Uh, I'm still not entirely sure what it's going to be, but there are puppets, there are entrails, there's blood everywhere. Uh, you know, it's very boys-esque. I'm obviously here for that. There was a new trailer for, a full trailer for The Last of Us, an actual trailer this time, but uh, I, I won't talk about that because I talk about that every week, but yes, very exciting, loved it. I was going to mention, I, one of the, another thing I did this week is I hosted a launch screening for um, a new Channel 4 show called Everyone Else Burns, which is mm. going to arrive in January. It's going to be hilarious, James. As a purveyor as a, of, of TV comedy, uh, an appreciator, not don't purvey it, but as a uh, consumer um, against your will of TV comedy, um, it's got Who's Simon Bird. It? Simon Bird came from Friday Night Dinner, which oh, you asked. Love, yeah. Got Lolly Adafope. It's got um, a Lloyd Griffith, Kadif Kirwan from the new series of Slow Horses, that, of course, uh, one of our favourite shows. Morgana, isn't it? Morgana Robinson, who's hilarious. It's about a very peculiar Christian religious sect um, <laughs> and what it's like to be a Simon Bird plays this unbelievably irritating patriarch, the head of a family unbelievably pompous and annoying and irritating figure and it's about how his family copes with him, his annoyance and the fact that they're in this very peculiar uh, religious sect um, and I, I think it's it's really really good, really strong even though Went I'm biased. It's going to be um, mid-January I believe. Okay. Mm, looking forward to that. We need to do more comedy. Yeah, well, you know, know. what can I say? Yeah, James famously. I know uh, the dictator doesn't like comedy, but no, I, just think I don't got- ban comedy. And if you, if you again, again with the autocratic aspersions, <laughs> I post all the shows that are out a week, and we have a democratic discussion about what Do to cover. We? It's not like I, by fiat, say we are not covering this. However, if you bring up King Gary again, it's not happening. Mm. Uh, but uh, yeah, I just, I will just struggle with them. It's my own personal struggle. That I will just go through. Okay. Fair enough. Well, at least you're going to tr- attempt to watch them. That's good. I have. Fair I've enough. attempted a few of these these so-called comedies. <laughs> I wanted to mention one sad thing as well while we're in, in the news section, which is that the uh, absolutely legendary TV publicist Leslie Lamb passed away uh, the weekend, and she was an amazing, amazing figure, a legend in our world of um, you know team of journalists and TV, and she was just um, an extraordinary figure. Who we loved working with her. She goes back way back to working at the BBC. She worked on Doctor Who with Russell T Davis. He paid tribute to her. She worked on all kinds of brilliant shows, a lot of great comedies. Um, she listened to this podcast pretty religiously, I have to say, because the last time I saw her was at the launch of David Baddiel's, um show, recent show about Jews don't count that she was really passionate about because she's um, Jewish like me, and we had a long chat and she talked about yeah, just asked me about various things that we discussed on the podcast. Um, she was just a brilliant, brilliant figure. So yeah, so I just wanted to mention her. And Kay, Kay, you know her very well as well. Very sad. Yeah. Well, that is, I think, news for this week. Uh, I will say that Kay, being the disruptor that she is, the Elon Musk-like disruptor, moving fast <gasps> and breaking things, you? <laughs> you know, she preemptively moved us on to news and through the entire structure of the podcast. Out. I was going to say, mention that. Yeah. Yeah. So we the didn't do the post bag at all. It didn't happen. Because Kate got us on to news. I got oh, flustered. Sorry. And there we were. So, oh, you know, it apologies. all went to shit. Apolo- no, I, sorry. I was just trying to get us off Avatar. Like, you, you, are you now saying that because that's happened, you now can't reach into the post bag and do the post bag now <laughs> just because you've no, gone slightly see, out of order this is You're what incapable. he's like this is what yeah. yeah this is what i'm saying he's so rigid yeah. well, why can't we just do the post bag now be more flexible james maniacs the implication was it's gone it's over you know the whole podcast has been ruined. No, he was just he's 
He's just trying to like, you know, tell me off. Yes. Well, yes. Yeah. I, the defamation I suffer on this podcast is absolutely scandalous. Yes, we it's are James going to It's James's way or the highway, guys. <laughs> oh, God. Right. So with the post bag, I have not had time to triage it this week. In fact, the post bag is getting a little bit out of control at the moment because we didn't do that many because we've pushed for time for a few episodes. So that it's kind of the built up. So James's I'm going to skip through them. bulging sack. Indeed. Oh, God. So, so <laughs> we're back to that again. Uh, so if you're if you have sent in a message and unfortunately it did get skipped get skipped over it's only simply because the post bag is exploding so apologies for that this first one comes from skt and skt says uh peak tv is great but do you ever long for the olden times when a season finale would air in may and you would knew the next season would be starting in september or october the more likely it wouldn't get to the uk until january now when a prestige show ends its season it can be literal years before the next one airs by the time it comes back i'm not having to re-watch youtube recaps to figure out what happened in the mm. last season yes. i understand nowadays they're almost making movies with visual effects and stars who wouldn't commit to network tv production schedules but it's a definite downside and he's very envious of his friend who's able to binge watch succession knowing that they've got three seasons to get through what do you yeah, think i do miss those days i like assurance of knowing that you know i can get my next fix regularly so yeah uh, yeah I, I can see that i think do you? Um, yeah, yeah. we long for the days where the only offering we had was network television. No, no I don't, not I, no. no. I don't think that. I don't long. I like how you <laughs> misunderstood what he's saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, yeah, I know what he means because is it he? By the way, that said uh, that? I believe so. Yes. yes, because there was something about that cycle that was very exciting. Yeah, that you, you know, yeah, and the comforting, predictable. Comforting, yeah, and in fact, it's, it's the West Wing. Think of that. Your your all time favorite show. Let's never it's forget a it was show. a network yeah. show yeah. that did exactly that. That you know yeah. we had a long. 22, 23, 24 episodes, and then you had your break from crap. Wet. I mean, it was bleak in the summer, I have to say, back in, in, for, in America. I mean, it's never been the way here. In, in British TV, the amazing thing about British TV is it carries on week in, week out. Thank God for this podcast. You know, new stuff, basically, <laughs> is produced. And that's always been the way. We've, they've never mm. divided it so clearly into seasons. But America TV had this whole weird situation where they packed everything into you know, starting in the autumn through to the spring, and then summer came along, and you'd have absolute shit all to watch of new stuff on TV. It was—I re- always found it really odd. There's not so much that now, well, thanks thanks to the streamers. But yeah, I think I think that's what he's getting at with that—that that, you know, it w- there were some very exciting uh, results of that system. But obviously, it's much better now that we've got loads more and enjoy- fantastic shows to enjoy yes i know what you mean i think there's something to be said for the predictability of it i quite like the surprise the excitement of like oh look the mandalorian's coming back in march like that's exciting like you know i quite like not knowing when things come because there's so much on and you get through so much stuff it's not as if we're ever bored we're never sitting there thinking oh i wish there was something to watch on telly and the things we really love sometimes it's quite nice when they kind of pop up like oh happy valley is going to be on there on new year's day that's amazing that's my new year's day sorted like you know I, i i quite enjoy it but i hear what he's saying only one episode a week, by the way, James. I mean, you'd have to, yeah, 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 I'll survive. Yeah. Don't worry. Yeah, you'll cope. Yeah, <laughs> but also because there's only going to be yeah, well, there aren't that many of them. So you actually you want to stretch no, it out. You don't true. want to consume it in an afternoon and then be done. So because this is the final season, isn't it? Or series, I should say. Yes. Yes. Uh, the season series thing is an interesting one. We got in this conversation in the Empire Office this week. It's like, why do you call it? So a season traditionally would be American television, which falls into this network format that he talks about. It's the season of television. It's seasonal. Nowadays, even American shows aren't really really seasonal in the same way certainly not on the streaming platforms so we would always call american shows like season one season two and british shows series one series two but actually none of them really are seasons now so maybe we need a new name i just like the name of i just like, like the sound compared to series it just sounds cooler yeah. season the mandalorian third movement 
Mm. I'm workshopping it. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Do Maybe not. Need a bit more yeah. work okay. on that. Yeah. All right. I'll yeah. see what I can do. Right. Gillian Simpson wants to know, what was a TV show that made you realise you'd gone up a generation age-wise? For me, it was Gossip Girl when I realised I much preferred <laughs> the parents to their preppy nightmare kids. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. There was something we discussed, and I want to say it was last year, but we actually had this discussion where we all realised we got older because we weren't actually identifying with the protagonists of a particular show. We were very much identifying with their parents. Fortunately, I can't remember which show it was, so it's what not actually that helpful. I don't remember, but I remember us having this discussion. I think Terry was on at the time, so it might have been the year before last, I can't remember. But we were discussing this, it's like, oh my God, it's like when you feel old, it's when you're like, oh my God, I'm actually identifying with the older generation and not the... I'm going to use a trash, well, not a trash, but it would be deemed trash uh, TV example of Emily in Paris. Emily I, um, in Paris. Yeah. And um, I relate, well, stylistic, I just like the style of this character of Sylvie more than the actual main character. Like the, she's the elder stateswoman of the, the show and um, she's très chic and I prefer her. So actually, yeah. I mean, I shouldn't probably be watching that show anyway because I'm probably too old for it, but yeah. Are you, you looking forward to its return it? next week? Yes, I cannot wait. I'm okay. going to binge it. Yeah, you are allowed well, to watch a show that's you know. That is- no, I know, but it's probably not aimed at me, right? Of course, it is. It's literally aimed at you, Kate. It's literally at- you are the dream viewer of Emily in Paris. <laughs> you are exactly who it's aimed for. Of course, it's about people slightly younger than you, but you're completely yeah. the audience for that show. Let me. It just does make me want to go that. live in Paris. So yeah. yeah. I think I, I, identify more with, I identify more with King Charles than I do Meghan or Harry. I do feel that <laughs> watching. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in the ongoing drama in the ongoing drama yeah James I have no idea absolutely no, no idea I will one. say yeah it is a, a tough a one question. I will say that I never really understood the hate that Wesley Crusher got in Star Trek The Next Generation because I was of an age with him when I watched it <laughs> so kind of I'm not saying he was my way into the show so the episode of the game where he's with Ashley Judd and it's the two of them against all the quote unquote adults on the ship and they're you know they're, 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 everyone's addicted to this video game prescient as it was I, you know that, that I was like this is great you know and I felt that access point was obviously now when you watch Star Trek The Next Generation he's dreadful but you know now i'm kind of more of an age with the enterprise bridge crew so you know perhaps that's what it is who knows i like the way i like the fact that i mean i'm i'm a trekkie but not obviously i, I prefer uh, original rather than that series so i'm not my my knowledge of that series isn't very um isn't very uh, comprehensive so you've got two people who are like bewildered to what the fuck you're talking about <laughs> when it to that. it's fine i'm sure there are many more listening like what are you talking about yeah it's fine it's fine. Right, another question here. Bruce Wishart says, Tom Hughes in episode six of The English is the double of Tom Selleck in the Magnum era. Uncanny. I haven't got to episode six, so I can't comment. Boydie, is this the case? Wait a minute, say that again. Say that again. Tom Hughes <laughs> yeah. in episode six of The English is the yeah. double of Tom Selleck in the Magnum era, and he thinks it's uncanny. <laughs> um, I mean... A little bit, yeah. I know. Do they both have moustaches? This is what we're saying. Yeah, there's like a cowboy (laughs) moustache thing going on. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Moustaches are all the rage, though. Again, well, it's because Um, it's been mm. Movember. Exactly. Yeah. Russell Russell Tovey sporting one in American Horror Story NYC, currently airing weekly in excruciating manner. As in, why did the fuck they show the whole thing on Disney (laughs) Plus? And he was telling me that his moustache has become incredibly popular, and people are devastated that he they had to shave it off for another role that he's doing now. So. Is it a quite thin one or a bushy one? No, it's quite it's quite full on. Yeah, mm. definitely not thin. No one wants a thin upper lip moustache, Kate. For various reasons, <laughs> like a John <laughs> Waters type <laughs> affair. Oh yeah. god, no, yeah, no, that's not hot. No. <laughs> okay, David Blythe says. 
Have ITV made a huge mistake? Look, sorry, this is going to seem like I'm targeting ITV again. I promise this is not the case. Please don't come after me. I know I got out of your offices alive, but, you know, let's not push it, maybe. Uh, He says, have ITV made a huge mistake not committing to show their big shows in 4K on the new ITVX app? New living room tellies are all 4K, and you want all the goodness showing through. Why would anyone pay more for ITV shows than Apple TV Plus if they're not pin sharp? I think they, I think that's some, I mean, I, hey, I've got a 78 inch 4K TV, obviously. <laughs> Show I know. off, here I, we go. But what I'm going to say is, I think we are probably at the upper end of, you know, kind of consumers when it comes to television and, and 4K. I still think, I don't think yet the vast majority of TV viewers expect everything to be in 4K. You know, I think it's good when it is and exciting when it is. I mean, the BBC, you know, only certain shows are available from the BBC in 4K. Like, I think his Dark Materials is one of them, I'm pretty sure. But so it doesn't bother me, even as a 4K obsessive as well, to some extent. I'm fine with ITV. It would have been, a, it's, it's, a, it's a huge thing to commit to every single show. And they, ITVX, by the way, putting out at least one new show every single week. So that would have been a lot to guarantee. And I think it's, I think it's understandable that they're not doing that. Side note, have you solved your ITV issue, boys, on your TV? No. Are you hugely well, distressed about? Yeah. You have an ITV issue? What's your ITV oh, issue? Is, okay, yeah, basically. Is it that all the shows like... appear weirdly broad and non-specific? <laughs> <laughs> oh, piss. <laughs> you just couldn't let it go. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm tempting the since snipers at this point. I'm are, tempting yeah. the snipers. Yeah, I'm backing the snipers. <laughs> since, since you've asked, James... Um, uh, basically, weirdly, my on my Sky Q, so I watch everything, you know, my default platform to watch all, in quotes, ter- old terrestrial TV is on via Sky Q, right? Yeah. And for some insane reason, ITV has got all pixelated and um, I can't watch it, basically. There's something going wrong with that signal for that particular channel and only that channel. And of course, that is the channel that will be airing football. the most important football match mm. for years on Saturday night. We will have gone by the time this goes out on Monday between England and France. So I'm now like, what? how the fuck? But actually, okay, you're not too sure. I did solve it because what I, work that I can do is I can watch it via the ITVX app. I can watch live TV on Apple TV to be slightly complicated and it'll be fine. Phew. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm happy about but that. But it is weird. I was worried how you're going to watch it. I know. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be fine. So, I mean, but this is an interesting question, and by interesting, I mean it interests me. Like, do you have, do you have, like, like, you, so you've got an Apple TV puck? Do you have a puck? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, okay. Do yeah. you have any other streaming devices, boxes, I've got, I mean, gadgets? I've got, like, I've got BT TV for fo- for football mainly. Right. I mean, it's He's fucking got expensive. Yeah, if anyone for BT TV is listening, I mean, it's very expensive just to like, watch <laughs> Arsenal games, basically. Um, I, I can't watch ITV. I couldn't work out how to watch ITV on BT TV, which is mad. Um, even though I pay a vast amount of money every month to, to have it. <laughs> I've got SkyQ, I've got um, all the streamers, and I've got the Apple Puck thing, yeah, as well. Yeah. I think that's it. But in terms of, like, physical devices, oh, physical, like, you'll no. use the TV, you use SkyQ, and you use the Apple Sky TV. SkyQ box, BT TV box, Apple Puck yeah. thing. Yeah. Okay. Hey, what about a you? Fire, fire thing. You've got a fire. You don't stick. have a fire stick. No, I don't have a fire stick. I have an Android box, an Nvidia Shield Android streaming box. Uh, okay. That's one that I have. Okay. I've got Sorry, Sky and Netflix, and I've got a Fire Stick. That's it. You have a Fire Stick, yeah. I used yes. to have a Fire Stick. I don't mind the Fire Sticks. The Roku sticks I quite liked at one point because they're um they're kind of platform agnostic. Like as in, there was a point where you couldn't get the Apple TV app on the Fire Stick. I don't know if you can now, and that used to drive me ever so slightly mad. And then so you couldn't get all that. But whereas Roku, you could get everything at one point. So I was I was quite pleased. With I need that. to sort mine out. Yeah. And I don't <laughs> think at one point I don't even know if you can now. You probably must be able to. But you, I couldn't get the Now app on my. 
NVIDIA Shield either. So it became, I don't understand the politics of why some of these apps are available on some platforms and some aren't. But you it's, know. It's I, just want some, I just want a platform. I just want everything yes. on yeah. one thing. Well, did, yeah. you know, because Apple tried this, didn't they? They tried with their Apple, the Apple TV app on the Apple TV. It tries to amalgamate the services. It like, yeah. tries to pull in things from iPlayer, from Netflix, from Prime to try and make it mm. feel like it's one. It didn't quite work that way, but I guess it's the closest I've seen. Yeah, you're right. But it's, it is unbelievably complicated. That, that's why, it t- honestly, it took me quite a long time to work out how to watch fucking ITV. <laughs> you know, on my various devices it's unbelievable yeah okay right laura sanders says you've talked about your opening favorite opening theme songs but i haven't heard you mention the latest and greatest of them all the what new white it? lotus theme for series two. Oh yeah oh my god point. i love it she says it's Very a huge point. upgrade from series one and always has me raving in my living room much like <laughs> beth's yellow jacket stance which i'd forgotten about <laughs> uh and her question is, have you heard it or not? Is it not included in the screeners? Why haven't we talked about it? It oh, is 100%. included in the screeners. Yeah, yeah it's, it's brilliant. brilliant. Yeah, we just haven't mentioned it. No, it's a good point. Very good point. Yeah. I'm trying to work out, look at what it is now. Try and sing it. <laughs> no. Laura also ends this question, I have to say, by saying, love the pod. It always bugs me at the end when James asks Boyd what else is on this week and then proceeds to answer his own question every week. <laughs> hashtag, <laughs> hashtag let Boyd speak. So oh, there we go. Yes, <laughs> thank you. That's brilliant. That is absolutely brilliant. What a great observation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thank you laura so, by the way the white lotus season two theme song if you're fyr is renaissance by composer cristobal tapia de Vere. ah who did the it, excellent uh utopia ah score, it's been played 1.2 million times on spotify uh 75 yeah it's it is as hypnotic is the word yes there you go carry on uh okay we've got time for a few more i think let's see what we've got here alan says alan says dear james and the podettes that's you too oh. if you were planning christmas night tv what tv specials would you like to see made for our viewing oh. pleasure oh that's not how i thought the question was going to be you know like what what's your dream schedule of classic christmas tv shows oh, now got, yes oh, i yeah. will answer that one um, and that would be an <laughs> I would like um, an, an Agatha Christie, a Phelpsy Agatha Christie. No, you are um, answering the question. You, a new, you could have a new Phelpsy Agatha Christie. Yeah, I would love yeah, one. That's, like, that, that's answering the in question. In fact, is yeah. that ha- that's not happening, is it? I'd love a nice Christmas Day Yeah, um, I think she's moved on mystery. generally. Yeah. Oh. She was on that. Did you watch one thing? I don't, never even mentioned on the what to watch, what we watch, but the Lucy thingy documentary series about Agatha Christie. Oh, Did you yeah, Lucy Worsley. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Lucy Worsley. With Phelpsy popped up in that to talk about. You yeah, know, I'm, I've... Halfway through episode one, yeah, yeah. Really, really interesting. She's brilliant talking about Agatha Christie. But I wonder whether she will do another one of those. But that would be a massive treat, yeah. Some kind mm. of whodunit, because that, you know, a, a kind of Glass Onion style whodunit would be fantastic. A proper whodunit. I mean, there's plenty of crime dramas, <laughs> don't get me wrong. But a proper, you know, people gathered in a place um, being bumped off one by one style whodunit for Christmas Day would be good. Uh, but I would, I would take that. Was, was the question like shows, current shows that we could create? I don't think it was that for. specific. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I think I have a lot of latitude in this Fine. particular area. I mean, imagine like, you know, Succession did a Christmas special. I mean, that would be incredible, wouldn't it? Got like, a Christmas a- day with the family. Oh, that would be amazing. Oh. I mean, yeah. they can have that idea. They should, they should definitely do that. 100%. That would be absolutely brilliant. Back in the day, they kind of would have done that because reverting to what we're talking about with network TV shows, they did do Christmas specials all the time. So mm. you get... Yeah. An episode of Dallas set at Christmas time, and it'd be fucking hilarious. So, uh, you know, I'd love to see that with the high end, you know, the White Lotus at Christmas. It'd be amazing. Christmas getaway White Lotus style. Yes, indeed. Yeah. All right. Couple, uh, couple more. Baronimo Music 
presumably not his given name, uh, says, <laughs> having waded through season two of Gangs of London to the end, despite we're realising by episode two that it is probably one of the worst and most pointless pieces wow. of telly ever. Oh, my God. <laughs> I realised that I had to see it through. Perhaps this was because, and not despite of, how awful it is. Rubbish characters what? doing stupid things for inexplicable reasons, ultraviolence for none, but its own shocking sake. Uh, made me wonder if the team has ever grimaced its way through a terrible season of something, hating all the way, yet compelled to complete nonetheless. <laughs> wow. No, because I, I sort of, if I don't like something, I'm just now, because my time's so precious with TV, I just switch off. So I have no, never forced myself. Never? You've never done it? You've never hate no. watched something to the end? No, oh, I, I don't, don't so. believe you. Yeah, no. I do all the time. <laughs> Actually, I believe you, okay. Yeah, she's quite, she's quite um, hardcore. No nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I can believe it. I mean, it happens all the time, doesn't it? Like, it's, it'd be one of these things where you know it's bad, but you just like, I mean, in many ways, I hate watch my way through like 11 years of The Walking Dead, <laughs> <laughs> which you might argue was a little excessive. But, uh, but some things like, so, uh, what was it called? Uh, Raised by Wolves, Raised by Wolves, 10 oh, hours yeah. of Raised yeah. by Wolves I sat through. And I think I realised by episode four that this was not going to make me happy. <laughs> but I just I just kept going and I kept going and I kept going. And at the end, I was just consumed by self-loathing that I had to sit through it all and I was never going to get that time back. And then it got renewed and we had to watch the beginning of season two. And after that, I think we watched the first couple. I drew a line under it. I was like, absolutely not. I am done. Sorry, Raised by Wolves. It's not happening. But yeah, that's the one that, that sticks in my mind most recently. I've got slightly more hardcore about it of late. I think over the last year, definitely um, very much the last 12 months, I have just been like, no, just like, if I don't like something, I'm stopping. And yeah, because there's so much good TV to be exactly, watching. It's like, exactly. Yeah. And even if I like something, but I don't love it, I'm stopping. So like The White Lotus is one of these ones where so Succession I really tried to get back to. I rewatched and I tried to get back into it. And then I realised that it was just a cringe and I was never going to get past it. And I should just, you know, draw a line under that. So I stopped. The White Lotus is a show that doesn't have that same, you know, the cringe which upsets me type thing. I don't access it in the same way because of the balance. But so I reckon I could like it if I really tried, but I, I don't have that kind of time. So, I mean, that is oh, unfortunately, no. That is ridiculous that you're not giving more time to the White Lotus. Really, that is insane. I I um hate watched to some extent the Neil Gaiman. You know, the the Sandman. You Sandman did, did Sandman. You, but you yeah. turned around on it. No, but I did. Yeah, I did. I, I changed my mind. So that, but that's the reason why I bring it up is that's an example of actually sometimes it's worth it because yeah. I really did not get the whole point of that show for the first two episodes, and then the third one kind of hooked me. And after the third one, I kind of got the whole gist of it better. I still think it's massively flawed. And but as I went on about at the time, I did. I have to admit, I did enjoy it a lot more than I thought I was going to. Having annoyed the hell out of me for the first two episodes while I was watching it. <laughs> so sometimes a hate watch or a commitment to watching something because you want to find out why people like it so much because you loved it and you know people I respect like Helen O'Hara loved it. Um, and uh, so I did. Yeah, and I pleased. I carried on watching it, and I will. So watch- your persistence paid off. Yeah, yeah, it did, yeah. Um, Hate Watch turned into, not Love Watch, but certainly more appreciate the the good things about it, Watch. Uh, Jeffrey Card says, do you ever dread watching a TV show, not because any aspects of the show, but because you know that as a professional critic, you're going to have to come up with something clever to say about it afterwards? Now, look, if you're a fan of this podcast, you'll know that that is rarely the case. I I never trouble myself with that. (laughs) 
no, I will say like so. So when you're not really when you're talking about it on the podcast, but when you write a review, certainly when I write reviews for Empire, there is nothing worse than writing a review of a show or a film that you thought was fine. Like you know, like a three star, it's fine. Like if I hate something, sure. If I love something, brilliant. But if I just don't care, that can be a real struggle. It's like, I don't know, it was right. I didn't hate it. It was fine. So three star reviews can be a little bit soul destroying to write. Uh, but I think that's the only time. I don't think I have a dread going in because I don't know going in that it's going to be a three star thing. If that makes any sense. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, it's um, yeah, something fine is difficult to to. I, I slightly, it's much easier, I think, to review brand new things rather than like you know the fifth series of something yeah. or other where you know the fifth among eight <laughs> seasons of so like in a way like ongoing sitcoms are hard to review when you're in the middle of them i think um because yeah. people have either kind of decided they like that thing and they're going to watch, carry on watching it or um or not and so you're not going to persuade them suddenly you know series five of something or other it's going to turn them around so that's quite challenging yeah it's hard to be but yeah i think um generally it's Stuff that you absolutely love or hate is, is definitely easy to write about. Yeah. yeah, I would say so. Uh, Jeffrey also says at the end of this, has James considered writing the premiere date and channel for a show in the same place where he writes mm. his introductory puns? <laughs> now, I don't know if that was a dig at the introductory pun. I or think it was. just wants the information <laughs> up top and not at the end. And I would say, well, no, because if I do that, then maybe you won't <laughs> listen to the to our rambling, clever comments that we uh, that we do on the show. So uh, I save it to the end as a special sting. Do you put it in the, you put it in the show notes, right? Oh, absolutely not! No, isn't he referring uh, to the fact that you? Yeah, I think he's referring to the fact that you you're fumbling around for the details. Oh yeah, why at the don't end, you yeah. Just, yeah, I mean, yeah. Why don't I actually come have to me so, and so, interrupt me? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's true. It is because I used to have I used to have it all written in the show notes. I'd have it all in front of me, so that I had it all. But now I often forget to do that. So I'm just what we finished. I'm desperately scrabbling around yeah. for my calendar. Like, where are these things on? I can't remember. So that's why I ask you because, boy, you mm-hmm. have it imprinted in your brain. <laughs> yeah, you're, I'm enjoying like this a, episode, which has basically turned into a James bashing session. <laughs> How is that mm. not every episode? Like genuinely. <laughs> true. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it is. If you have any bashes you wish to head my way, or if you work for ITW and wish to kill me, uh, mm. you can send your grievances to uh, at Pilot TV Pod on Twitter. I'm occasionally looking at the at Pilot TV Pod Instagram, but there's so many on Twitter at the moment that I haven't popped over there. There may be new voice notes in there that I haven't even looked at yet. I don't know. Uh, we will maybe oh, uh, have a look at that. And again, if you would like to contribute to our review of the year post bag, then sorry, Kay, the incredibly convoluted and complex <laughs> arcane secret handshake method is to put hashtag R-O-T-Y <laughs> at the beginning of your comments when you send it in. That would be super. We will now not go on to news because Kay has already yanked that to the front <laughs> of the show. So let's let's instead move on to reviews. And we begin with National Treasure, colon, Edge of History. Uh, you will, of course, remember Nick Cage's National Treasure films for their Robert Langdon-esque treasure hunting antics and the fact that they repeat the phrase the declaration of independence about a hundred times in the first movie uh well this is the new disney series it continues that tradition only they've declared their independence from nick cage and drafted in the likes of Catherine zeta jones and justin bartha instead combined with a serious name that seems taken frankly from an internet title generator uh but but let's not get ahead of ourselves boydie is this in fact a national treasure well it's uh, it's called National Treasure, that's for sure. Um, edge of history. Um, it's created by the uh, couple who wrote the National Treasure films, Cormac and Marianne. The brilliantly named, I have to say, Cormac and Marianne Wibberley. 
um, so I don't know why it makes me laugh, but it's a funny name. I think we're allowed to laugh at, you know, kind of American, rich, famous, successful Americans, funny names. Yeah. yeah, that's my They're not going to give a shit. They're not going to give a shit. They don't care. I have to say, it's directed by Mira Nair, who's a very good um, director, Mississippi Masala, you know, et cetera. She's done a lo- loads of good um, shows. She directed the TV adaptation of Suitable Boy for the BBC. It's got, you know, interesting. It's got Harvey Keitel is back in it from who's in the film. It's also news. Peter Sadowski. Catherine Zeta Jones pops up in that, with a very specific look. Um, she's having a bit of a TV career revival, isn't she? Because she's also in Wednesday, um, really good in Wednesday. Not so good in this, I think, I feel. Um, Fair. But let me just say, I found the whole thing bewildering. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I, I remember, right, I remember watching both National Treasure films. Were there two? Yeah, there were only there two, were two, right? Yes. With Nick Cage and enjoying them very much. But, yes. you know, very, very entertaining kind of, you know, Indiana Jones meets so-and-so other, you know, things, adventurers. Etc. I don't think I've ever rewatched them ever. Like I think I saw them when they came out, you know, and never have gone back to them. So they're not, you know, they're not like among my favourite things ever. Isn't Chris Hewitt a massive fan of them? By the way, I'm sorry to remember. For uh, Empire. Johnny Pyle, formerly Johnny of Pyle. Empire Magazine, was a massive National Treasure fan. Yes. I knew there was some weird Empire podcast discussion of National Treasure in, in the back of my mind. But anyway, so. It's got connect- loose connections to apparently Nick Cage is going to pop up in season two, but he doesn't, I believe, arrive in season one. But it's kind of turned into this kind of YA international globetrotting version of National Treasure in a really classically contrived, like, let's find this IP that people will vaguely have name recognition of and turn it into a YA show and get some kind of glib, you know, sarky millennial style dialogue. Um, <laughs> and it's just bewildering and confusing. I couldn't really work out who the characters were and who they were connected to the films. And halfway through, I was like, oh, I just don't give a care about any of these people. So, James, your prediction that we might have a show whereby <laughs> I really hated it is kind of coming true because I just thought it was so mediocre and kind of quite basic the way it's shot. I have to say sorry to everyone. Um, it doesn't really look kind of lighting. I felt, and all of that felt quite kind of old school network TV ish rather than sophisticated, expensive mm. streaming TV. Um, produced by Jerry Bruckheimer, you know, five, it just doesn't. It just doesn't feel like the budget's big enough. The characters are interesting enough. There were some nice, neat little moments. There's a kind of they do a the first scene where we meet the kind of what young characters is quite clever. It's one you think one thing is happening and it's not, and it turns, it turns into something else. There's some neat little moments, but not enough. I have absolutely no <laughs> urge to watch any more of this series. Let me just say that <laughs> after watching this first episode. So it did not work for me. Sorry. Yeah, oh, it's dreadful. It, it's genuinely <laughs> it's dreadful. <laughs> and I was quite in the tank for this because I really enjoy the National Treasure films, but it has none of that charm. It's incredibly prosaic. It seems to be like, you know, oh, like she's this genius. She's got like Sherlockian feats of observation. It's just like blindingly obvious things sometimes. It's very unsophisticated writing. And the dialogue is really clunky as well, like really, really clunky. Yeah. To the point where you call it YA and like part of me is just like, it's not YA, it's a like kid's show. Like this is a kind of like a pre-teen show to me because it was so basic <laughs> yeah. in the way it was constructed and so 
you know, first base and the way it was presented, written, performed, like it just felt like this is the kind of stuff that you'd get on Nickelodeon. Like it feels more like that. And I was just like, this is just make it stop was, was where I was at with this. <laughs> oh, I really God, was. Yeah. I've I got was to just... thank you guys now because I was really miffed that Disney didn't give me access to this. <laughs> oh yeah, you like, haven't seen it. Yeah. Well, they like you it. more than they like us, clearly. I know, right? So I didn't get it. And I was like, oh, I'm really going to miss out. And now I'm like, thank no, you for saving me the it time. It wasn't good. It wasn't good. Look, and don't get me wrong, like, Disney Plus have had a great run of shows this yeah, like they do a lot of good stuff. This is not one of them, though. So, uh, you know, and also, like, no. can we talk about National Treasure, colon, edge of history? Yeah. Genuinely, what the fuck <laughs> does that mean? Like, it is a, it's like someone's Googled, like, uh, TV series title and, like, a generator's come up. And it's like, yeah, take take the first noun you can think of and then an abstract noun and stick them together and press the button and then it comes up. I don't know. Uh, it, it's, yeah, meaningless yeah. title. No. There's a reason why Edge of Tomorrow has had to be retitled because it's such a shitty title, and now they've just I kind quite of gone. Like that one. <laughs> Edge of, no, it's a terrible title. Well, because um, wasn't it that one was that all you need is kill? Then it was yes, Edge yes, of Tomorrow. Then it was yes, Live Die Repeat. Yes. And now I think it's isn't it like Edge of Tomorrow colon Live Die Repeat? Or yes. I don't even know what it's called yeah. now. Apparently, um, everyone involved in that film. So I hear like Tom Cruise down is absolutely furious with the whole title history of yeah, the it's, it's, it's a mad. brilliant film it it's a mad. really good film it's a fantastic uh, film yeah, the fact that we dig- I digress is because <laughs> yes Edge of History is a terrible title a suitably banal uninspiring <laughs> yes. meaningless bullshit yes. title for this absolutely meaningless banal show that somehow managed to get I'm back to Catherine Zeta-Jones this is what I wanted to say the performances are even the, the acting is quite bad almost yeah. across the board like one or two characters are terrible Catherine Zeta Jones somehow is just not just awful. She's brilliant in Wednesday. I think she's fantastic. The way she's lit and shot, her face looks weird. The whole thing is just terrible. Sorry. It is. We should, at the very least, name check the lead of the show, which oh, yeah. is Lizette Oliveira, who plays Jess. Uh, I'm not sure whether she'd appreciate us name checking her, no. but she's the lead. There you Probably go. Probably not. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that is, in fact, National Treasure, colon, <laughs> Edge of History, uh, which airs on the 14th <laughs> yes. of December on Disney+. Plus. Look at that. I had the calendar Yay. right here. Well <laughs> there we go. It airs on Wednesday. Okay, next up, airing on ITVX on the 15th of December. <laughs> there we go. Wow. Uh, we have Litvinenko, which oh. stars David Tennant as the former Russian spy who was famously poisoned by the Putin regime. Neil Maskell as the police officer tasked with taking down his story and putting the pieces of the puzzle together in this true crime retelling. Kay, tell us a little bit more about this. This is really good. That's what you first of all need to know. Everyone should watch it. It's four parts. As you say, it is the famous case that everyone will remember. Um, everyone put off going to Itsu because that is where Alexander Litvinenko was poisoned with polonium, the most dangerous substance on earth. David Tennant has taken on this role and I'm sure you'll both agree he's just brilliant as Sasha, the former spy. I mean, physically, I mean, I found it distracting at first, just how much he resembled Alexander and his accent is really spot on. It's really, it's been really thoroughly researched. I think that's what comes across that it's just really accurate in its portrayal of this story. It's been made with the full cooperation of um, Alexander's wife, Marina, which I think which I really enjoyed that part. You know, we've talked before about true crime stories being told and without the um, relatives involved and with their permission. And I think that's something that I really liked about this story. Um, Tenant is fantastic, both in looks, uh, the physicality of it, but also uh, the first episode, you know, it's not, 
with true crime stories, usually you're engaged because there's the you know chases or it's super dramatic. The first episode's largely based in the hospital on a, his deathbed, where he is trying to tell the police officers, even though he's deteriorating, you know, he's deteriorating very fast. What has happened in his theories? At first, no one takes him seriously. No one believes his story that he's been poisoned and he blames Putin for it, and everyone's he's discredits it like everyone's like no he, he doesn't know what he's talking about but thankfully it's because of his wife marina that she manages to get neil maskell's character uh brent hyatt the lead investigating officer to take him seriously and it's just these these two police officers with alexander in the hospital room listening to his story and how he thinks it's happened and basically he was a big critic of putin and that's why he feels like he's been targeted um and then it all follows on from there but i just thought tenant was excellent i thought neil maskell was brilliant as well in this kind of understated performance as the lead investigating officer who suddenly feels very sort of bound to get justice for Alexander. And it's really touching, actually. And particularly uh, Margareta Livieva, um, Livieva, who plays plays, uh, Marina, because it sort of explores also the relationship of Alexander and Marina. And they had this really beautiful relationship whereby, you know, he was incredibly obviously sick. And she was like, you know, if he's sick, I'm sick as well. And, you know, what she went through to try and get his story heard. So I thought this was very, very good. Yeah, it is. It's. Um, I mean, I, I should say that I uh, hosted a artist of screening of this. <laughs> um, and I actually... One of the people involved in the Q and A in the on the panel was Marina Litvinenko, which was incredible. So to be able to talk to her about mm. what it was like watching this dramatization of her life and her late husband and how she's still campaigning, you know, about Putin and all of that, and how for her, like this whole series is a brilliant theme because it's a reminder of this unbelievable crime that has global ramifications and feels like even more urgent because now that Russia is basically. Um, just trying to destroy Ukraine, thankfully failing at the moment. I think anyway, it's really, really well done though. Like George K uh, wrote the script, who does a lot of his did a criminal on Netflix. He does he writes Lupin, the brilliant, brilliant Lupin. Can't remember, can't wait for the turn of that. And directed by Jim Field Smith, who directed um, Criminal as well. So they've worked together. So they are like experts in non-true crime they're experts in crime drama you know they really know how to kind of tell a story and this absolutely the cracks along an incredible pace like there's not one moment or one scene that isn't completely you know impactful and important and advancing the story or showing those characters as as you were saying Kay about the relationship depicting that relationship between um, Alexander and Marina is brilliantly done the way that the narrative of the police investigation plays out is so clear to the viewer they make it so clear and as it goes on i've seen all all four episodes and it then turns into really the latter episodes into her campaign uh, marina's campaign for justice and you know will and that she comes up against the establishment the british politicians mm. who don't want to deal with the r- reality that russia's never going to let these people come, come to justice they're never going to let them you know um come over and face trial so it's fascinating and all that it's 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 got it's not just a kind of true crime what the hell happened to um Livinenko. it's that it's about campaign as well it's about politics it's about you know kind of um the establishment etc so it's really really well done everyone in it is brilliant 
I agree with Neil Maskell, fantastic. And Mark Bonner, mm. shout out to Mark Bonner, who plays yeah. his boss, Clive Timmons. And Mark Bonner is very, very Scottish, and he does a really <laughs> good like London accent yeah. um, for that character and brings that character to life brilliantly. And these are the real, they are playing the real, these are real police figures who I know for a fact that um, that um, Marina absolutely regards as, as heroic, that their diligence and their determination, at least, um, in trying to bring the perpetrators to justice. So... And there's a real feeling that they, because he was a British citizen, I really like that, yeah. the way they kept on going on. And actually, because you did that, you hosted the event, you'll probably know, I think it's true. Did he really get his um, British citizenship yeah. on the same day that he was um, yeah, just present? Yeah, just confirmed just before. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, completely. Yeah. And they were, they were big Arsenal fans. Yeah, so I'm very proud of the fact. <laughs> oh my that, uh, Boyd's connection suddenly yeah. made clear. Why yeah. do you have to bring everything? Their, well, oh they've God. got their Arsenal mugs in the background, oh very clear. Yeah, okay, yeah. fine. Just saying. Wow. Well, that incredibly small poignant. error in judgment aside, it was, of course, <laughs> <laughs> very good. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great performance from Tanner. And Neil Maskell, who is great and everything, I loved him, first and foremost, in Utopia, uh, which we mentioned earlier on in the show. But the English one, obviously, not the American one. Uh, but so good here. And uh, yeah, it's it's a really compelling story, which has particular kind of relevance at the moment, as you mentioned. So, uh, And this one is on ITVX, and it airs on the 15th, so Thursday, the 15th of December. Finally, this week, we have His Dark Materials, the airing of which is actually surprisingly complex, depending on where you live. If you live in America, His Dark Materials, the first, I want to say, two episodes, possibly three, have aired on HBO already, and then it's going to be weekly. If you're in the UK, then it's all going to drop on the BBC on the 18th. It will all be available for you to watch in one big binge-worthy chunk. But the question, of course, is will that be what you want to do? Because this is bringing Philip Pullman's adaptation to its climactic conclusions, the adaptation of The Amber Spy glass the third in the dark materials books uh with james mcavoy declaring war on heaven and sending angels into battle in other words perfect christmas fair boydy <laughs> did this wait for it did this yeah. one set your pantalimons on fire uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god absolutely brilliant i was quite pleased uh, with that one. Uh, yeah very good i um i'm a big fan of the philip pullman books um that this is based on, and uh, I, I used to review. We used to review books on the Simon Mayo show on Five Live every year. We had Philip Pullman in um, while we reviewed um, this 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 last book, the, the dramatization of the book that this is dramatized, um, the last in the trilogy. Yeah. We actually reviewed in front of him, as was the incredible format of the show. <laughs> um, yeah, but what a great man he is! And this is a this is a crazy, crazy novel. Like this is a massive, dense extraordinary mix of all kinds of different elements uh, the, the ongoing the whole thing the whole story is a critique of organized religion really i mean that's the kind of crux of it uh, an adherence to a particular belief set of beliefs and w- in an un- such an unyielding way leads to basically fascism you know that is the whole kind of um gist of the underlying story and for and and i have to say and i think i've been i've said this every t- i think we've reviewed the first episode of all Three I think so, yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I apologize for saying the same thing, but I cannot imagine a better adaptation of really tough material, really complex, mm. dense. This loads. one in particular. This one, yeah, exactly. This one in particular. I thought they've done a really good job of giving clarity of very complicated things. There are new characters. There's my favorite characters, the, the gay angels, who um, 
this duo of angels who follow uh, who follow um, what's his name around. What's his name? Will. Uh, Will. Will Harry. Thank you. Will. Thank you. Um, subject of the great interview by Helen. By uh, Helen. I, I thought, how are they going to dramatize that? Because in the book, I think they're naked, as far as I can remember. And you know, it's it's Philip Pullman's imagination. Philip, these these books are aimed against uh, uh, to, uh, young people, but they are completely. Mm brilliantly written and complex and totally like rewarding for adults as well and those characters to include those characters and to dramatize brilliantly cast by the two actors they've got playing them they're absolutely fantastic and to show and and what happens i mean they're um they they kiss there's a moment where they kiss in this episode and i thought brilliant i I know it seems lame to to compliment them on something but this is you know, a kind of family slot show. That's the whole point of it. I think it's going out at seven o'clock, maybe eight o'clock, seven, I think pretty much seven o'clock, I think, the first episode on the eighteenth. And to dramatize that brilliantly. And he and and Will looks around and goes, Oh, okay. The while while the guy what they say goodbye to each other. Just that little moment summed up for me that the decision making on this is brilliant, really. The cast is fantastic. The way they dramatize the demons, their spirit these spirit animals is brilliant. The changes they've made from the from the book to the from the incredibly complicated, ambitious book mm, to props still- to Jack Thorne. Drops to Jack Thorne. That's exactly what I was going to say. The 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 adapter and the kind of showrunner, as, as close as you get to a showrunner, he just does a brilliant job. Yeah, making it all kind of make sense and hold hang together and be very gripping. Every every character is brilliantly uh, acted and performed. Mrs. Coulter is still like so creepy um, and and scary, and yet kind of believable you believe there's that you believe in her evil you know and the roots of it and you believe in what she's the way she's treating her own daughter uh, is horrendous but you kind of believe it you go along with it because the groundwork has been laid for that so yeah i'm always really impressed with this show and we've had to wait a long time for this last season to arrive but fair enough because there's so much work that's gone involved into it and I think it's really paid off. So I think, yeah, they've done a great job. I, I think it's it, it's one of these things where when they were first said they were going to adapt these books, I was like, how on earth are you going to adapt these books? It's just nuts. But they've done an extraordinary job, not just of realising the kind of very vivid visuals of this world that Pullman created, but also in streamlining it into a way that works in a kind of episodic TV format, which is no mean feat. And, and Thorne has done a phenomenal job with this. Uh, and the Amber Spyglass is where it all kind of comes together. And just the ambition of the themes in the novel and what they try and tackle with this in a book aimed, lest we forget, at kids. And the fact that kids yeah. enjoy it as well. And yet it is so so layered and there's so much subtext and there's so much heavy theological stuff in there i mean it really does have something for absolutely everyone including lest we forget armored bears um <sighs> yes i they I, are pretty I, cool they are very very cool i love this i love the title sequence i love the music i love everything about it uh and it's just the like it's a really is yeah. brilliant yeah beautiful yeah. I it's love magnificent it, yeah. and it yeah. kind of Absolutely sums up the whole idea of it doesn't it, it, it yeah. brilliantly yeah, yeah. It's, it's got great. all the imagery from the show yeah. in there it's got the concepts of it and it's all just kind of spelled out there in the slightly abstract title sequence but it's it's magnificent i will be very sad uh, when i get to the final episode of this that it's all you know come to an end although maybe they will you know because he's got his new um you know book of dust trilogy yeah. he's working on i think the first yeah. two are out so maybe they will adapt that afterwards who knows we'll find out but anyway his dark material sends season three the final season I was staying very very quiet because <laughs> I was hoping actually you'd skip past me because I I mean this was I haven't read the books I haven't watched the last two installments so it was totally lost on me I did watch it um but it w- went largely over my head um in did fact you like so the armored bear 
I love the armored bear. I mean, I thought that was very cool. Um, and I thought it was very well done. Put it like this. When I was watching it, I exclaimed to Boyd, oh my God, there's talking leopards. And then he had to explain they were spirit animals. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I did, I have to say, I did love Ruth Wilson as the nasty bastard, Mrs. Coulter. I just love Ruth Wilson. So yeah, I enjoyed her performance, but lost on me. But I know a lot of people who are going to be very excited about this, namely my friends, kids who um, are big fans of Pullman's books. Did you like the evil golden monkey? Yeah, oh, the monkey's pretty cool, so but nothing good. will beat the armoured polar... Is it polar bear? Yeah, Yorick very much. Yorick yes. <laughs> Enjoyed we like the armoured bear. Yeah, he's very good. So if you're in the US, then the first few have already dropped, and it's coming week by week. If you are in the UK, then on the 18th, not only does it begin airing on BBC One, but you get the entire lot in one go on iPlayer to consume in one big armoured bear-shaped binge. Right, Boyd, what else is out this week? Well, funny you should say, Boyd, because... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, exactly. Yeah, right, fine, tell us, tell us Boyd, I shall say, say nothing. Let's just, it's not, that, the 18th of, is a huge day, because that's the World Cup final day as well. So, um, uh, it's I a, don't Come care. on, England. Yeah, just saying. I mean, England might be out by now, as far as we know, okay, by the way. By the yeah, I know, I know. I'm just optimistic. Yeah, that's good. I, I right, no mention, one interrupt Boyd. Hashtag yeah. let Boyd speak. Thank Thank you. Come on, mic's off. Thank you. Uh, bad education the Jack Whitehall um, school-based sitcom has got a very welcome uh, reunion. So what they've done is on Thursday the 15th, BBC Three, nine o'clock, they're airing this Bad Education Reunion special, which is a 45-minute. It's really funny. I've seen it. But this is also ushering in a new a reboot of the whole show with the new cast. Um, so kind of Jack, this is Jack Whitehall saying goodbye to his character. And a couple of the teachers from that the original series will uh, sorry and a couple of the pupils from the original series will now be teachers so Leighton Williams for example was a pupil and he, you're introduced to him now and he's embarrassed by the fact that he stayed on at the school and is now a teacher um, and it's really funny it's just a really funny smart um, uh, clever show do you want to know something funny yeah I have watched every episode <gasps> of Bad Education what? and the movie what what <laughs> I really liked it. Oh, that's so weird. This is oh god, oh, this is no, yeah, it's heartwarming, well. but there's no predicting, James. Did you? Yeah, I know. I like to be unpredictable. There is no, there's oh, no rhyme or god. reason to the things that's I choose to like. I actually, got my hands in my uh, my head in my hands. I know. It's just it's covering your face in despair. But yeah, I really like bad that education. Is, that is genuinely extraordinary. Yeah. Wow. Um, I'm sorry, Boyd. I've I've interrupted you. Hashtag let Boyd speak. That's fine. Uh, that's fine. Uh, uh, what else is there? There is, um, actually, I think that's the, oh, there's a Joe Lysett special, we should say, on Thursday on Channel 4. This is real, real people. Sorry, James. But the brilliant comedian, do you remember he did that brilliant thing where he tried to get David Beckham to change his mind about being the 150 gazillion pound paid ambassador for Qatar and the World Cup? He tells the whole story of that in a special on Channel 4 on Thursday at nine o'clock, and that'll be fascinating to see. Vienna Blood is back. You know, the, um, now, Part of the reason why we don't review Vienna Blood, it's a really good show, actually. It's a kind of period, you know, crime drama. <laughs> Kay doesn't agree. Kay's shaking your finger. <laughs> it, it, you're being screaming. scolded silently. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's back on BBC Two Wednesday, nine o'clock. But the episodes are 90 minutes each. Um, yeah, I don't they're think too any, long. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot. Beth would have vetoed that in a heartbeat. Beth, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Beth would have totally vetoed it, which would be fair enough. It's indulgent, I'd say. Yeah. Gangster Granny Strikes Again, which is the new David Williams adaptation of one of his best books, I think. That, that arrives on CBBC on Friday and will then be on BBC One the following week. And this is BBC trying to give an exclusive to CBBC. Fair enough. Why not? Um, I think that might be the, all it. But yeah, really, yeah. Well, I mean, not to contradict and hashtag not let Boyd speak, but you didn't mention The Recruit on Netflix. Oh, yeah. I mean, partly which because- drops 
They haven't given it to us, yeah. <laughs> yes, they haven't given it to us. But it drops on the 16th, and that is about uh, a lawyer at the CIA who gets entangled up in stuff, and it presumably goes wrong. We do not know if it's good, because we have not seen it. Wednesday drops are suspicious. Wednesday drops, except yeah. except when the show is called Wednesday, right? Yeah, exactly. In which case, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Pick of the week. Litvinenko. Is it National yeah. Treasure? <laughs> Definitely not National Treasure. <laughs> Litvinenko, without a doubt. Okay. Mine is probably his Dark Materials, but only because I'm very much in the tank for that show. Uh, well, that is it for this week's show. Uh, please do wrap us up a five-star rating and leave it for us under the tree on Apple Podcasts and or Spotify. Please do hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at James C. Dyer, at K. Ribeiro, and at Boyd Hilton, as well as at Pilot TV Pod. Now, next week does mark our final regular show, apart from the review of the year special uh, where we had to run you through some of the festive telly on offer we'll maybe see Jack Ryan I Hate Susie 2 is on Yellowstone 1923 uh, and even yes The Witcher Blood Origin uh, that is uh. of course if ITV's hitmen don't catch up with me in the meantime uh, all that's left really is to wish Boydie a very oh, happy birthday happy birthday Boydie are you going out tonight? Is it going to be a big party? Are all of the the, the famouses and the Hollywood people descending on like <laughs> Hakkasan or something for some massive meal? <laughs> like, Hakkasan, right, great nineties reference. I love, yeah, that's so nineties. That's brilliant. Um, no, I had a lovely uh, night out last night, and tonight I'll be watching um, Netherlands Argentina right. in the World Cup. Of course, as everyone should. It's a glorious day for two fo- double football grad day of Croatia, Brazil, Netherlands, Argentina. What more could I want on my birthday? Absolutely. Apart from an episode of this to record. Well, the complete (laughs) box set of The Expanse will be delivered to you later on today with a big bow on it from me. Spoil Uh, it. (laughs) That should keep you going until next week. In the meantime, pilot out.